Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Darren Smith of 810 WHB ESPN Kansas City and KLKC in Parsons. Going to chat with Darren about the NFL playoffs as we are in championship weekend in the AFC and the NFC. And we'll also get his thoughts on the coaching carousel. What is going on with Eric Bieniemy? We'll get Darren's thoughts on that and more coming up later on in the show. Also, got our O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em. Brad O'Connor going to join us, and we'll de- debut a new segment with Coach Bo, uh, which we will call uh, Coach Bo's Football Fix. And then uh, later on, we'll also have our uh, Top Fullery Story of the Week as well. So, a uh, loaded show on this Thursday, and we appreciate you making us a part of your day here on the Jones Report. Thomas Bridges joins me right now as well. DB, what's happening, my friend? You know, just um, getting settled in. Just moved to Tulsa. Finally, after what have, what's been a few years of a would have been, could have been, should have been, um, type situation so i'm residing in south tulsa um a hop skip and a jump away from river spirit however i will not be patronizing that place as much um as maybe one would think um i actually have been here for about a week but i have not went there and i probably won't go there until the summertime jones when we went and stayed it was a nice uh a nice place Granted, we got to stay there for free when we stayed there. So if I could stay there for free, I might, you know, maybe patronize more often. So, Tom, speaking of casinos this past weekend, I uh, went to the Ameristar across the Nebraska-Iowa border. And where I live, my new apartment, I'm in downtown Omaha, which puts me right about five minutes from the state of Iowa where sports gambling is legal. And so Sunday I decided, all right, I'm going to go ahead and make my first ever legal sports bet. And the key term there is legal sports bet. And so I go over to Iowa and points bet. They got this deal that you can, if you bet on the game, bet on the spread of uh, any of the playoff games, if a former MVP quarterback, so that would be Mahomes, Rodgers, or Brady. If they throw a touchdown, then you get $125. But you have to bet 20 against the spread on one of the games. Well, being the Chiefs guy I am, I went ahead and I was a little overconfident. And the one game I missed this week in our pick and we'll talk about picks later on, was the Chiefs. I picked them to cover, and they didn't cover. They won by five, not eight. Thanks a lot, Harrison Butker. And so I lost 20 bucks, but I got 125. So I still netted out 105 bucks. So not a bad day on the uh, sports betting, even though I I did technically lose. So uh, my first legal sports bet, Tom, was technically a loss. So I, I will never get past that, and I can never live that down until I die. So in that point, you can, you know, you did it through uh, Iowa, correct? Yes. So you had to show them your ID, and they like ran it to make sure you never bet before. Is that correct? Um. So you, they uh, you had to create an account, and uh, they you, you enter 
your your personal information and they check it that way. Gotcha. So what's stopping me from doing that from Oklahoma? Uh, your IP address, they can track that on your phone and realize that betting's not legal in Oklahoma. Wait a second. So that means I can just straight up give you a, a, a portion of the money if you sign up an account under your on your IP address for myself? Yes. Yes, yes you could do that. So we're doing that this weekend? Uh, that can be done, yes. And they give you cash. Like they give you cash, not... You don't have to like trade it out for Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, because it's legal, then you can do directly do your bank account. Yes. Okay. Well, no, that sounds like. Uh, now you might like have gotta... to give me the last four digits of your social, but we can still arrange that to be done. Well, well, that sounds like you're going to make some more money this weekend. Then. <laughs> oh, I'm all in. I-, I would be glad to help you out, Tom. I'm just just doing it as a friend, just looking out for you. So exactly. Right, right. That's all it is. We're just being just doing a favor for a friend. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. So we could do a lot more illegal things than that, but. Right, right. It's legal. It's all good fun. So. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we, buy, we buy we buy jerseys from Amy Smith. I'm sure in some way that's illegal, right? Um, <laughs> that's going to be the thing that takes us down. Is that we got those jerseys? We uh, go to yeah. We go to jail for some fake jerseys. <laughs> oh, the read my my obit, and the reason why I died in prison was because I bought jerseys overseas uh, from China. <laughs> That would be the day if uh, that would. Yeah, that would be the day. That's like one of those Facebook generators that says, how did you die? <laughs> Fake jerseys from China. Well, uh, I, I got to say, before we get too much further in today's show, um, I did start my uh, new job with a great television with local news live. And our launch day was uh, inauguration day. And that's kind of our soft launch. We went live on Facebook, and then uh, we're going to release our apps and our full-time 24-7 network sometime in the next week or two. Um, but uh, I- I'm not going to you know, get political because there's other shows to do that. We don't need to talk politics around here. But just from an experience of covering this inauguration, Tom, um, a personal note, uh, our guy, Garth Brooks. I know you love Garth, right, Tom? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Garth Brooks, Oklahoma legend, uh, you know, what a man, Oklahoma State's own. Uh, I, I got to say, just from a personal standpoint, Tom, you, know, we, you and I, anytime we see from Oklahoma, anybody from Oklahoma, that's always a cool deal for us. Um, but what was really cool for me about seeing Garth Brooks, and I tweeted this out uh, in the inauguration day, was that uh, yesterday was the one-year anniversary when my grandmother passed away. Uh, My grandmother, Pat Walker, she was a lovely woman, and uh, she passed away uh, a year ago yesterday. And Garth Brooks, he uh, was a member of the church she attended in Owasso. Uh, It was a a free will Baptist church, and uh, Garth and Tricia, they raised their kids in Owasso. They went to Owasso Public Schools, like his daughter was on the track team, and they were at church every. And the soccer week. team. She was a she was a goalie. That's how I met Garth. Actually, yeah, it was at a Bartlesville soccer game. So yeah, 
So they uh, were very active, tried to live as normal lives as possible. Well, they went to church every Sunday. And my grandmother, she was a greeter, and she always loved just greeting Garth. And Garth knew who she was and Tricia and just very down to earth, just humble people. So uh, with it being a year since the passing, uh, not only did I love seeing Garth up there, but Tom, uh, for me, just a personal standpoint, it, it made me think of my grandma uh, a year later. So that was that was cool for just all around to see Garth. Made me think of my grandma and, and I'm proud to see Garth up there. Yeah, it's always good in that. You know, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know I ever knew about that that story about your grandma. But I didn't know that they went to the same church, so that's cool too. Yeah. Um, and and Garth was a big, you know, I don't think they live in Owasso anymore. I, I no, they moved back to Nashville. Right. Yeah. So huge house in Owasso, but that was cool. That's cool. And and I knew that that they were, you know, big proponents of just kind of living just as normal people. Um, and, and that's kind of how they were. That's like when Garth came to, you know, Bartlesville for his daughter's soccer game uh, against Bartlesville. They were always, you know, he, he made an appearance a couple times, but I only went once. Not, And I didn't even know that the daughter played was the goalie um, and ended up seeing him. I thought, oh, wait a second, that's Garth Brooks. To get to uh, as far as the uh... – of the kids playing sports and such. So his daughter, I mentioned was a track and field runner. And, and this is what makes me even love Garth even more. Um, when, uh, when broken arrow would be a was hosting a track meet. And this is why I was in school. I wish I was there that day, but I wasn't, but uh, his daughter had a track meet. And afterwards, do you want to take a guess where Garth uh, took his daughter to go eat after uh, after the track meet, Tom? Some restaurant in Coita. In Broken Arrow. <laughs> just, yeah, just, I just to. <laughs> he just threw me an alley-oop there. Yeah, yeah, too easy, right? Um, he took his daughter. They ate at Whataburger. Uh, they went inside. He was wearing jeans and uh, like a uh, – like a cra- uh, some type of craftsman jacket of some sorts, um, you know, wearing a ball cap, and they ate at Whataburger, sat down, and you, you would not have known it was Garth Brooks unless you just knew, unless you recognized him. Like he, like I said, just try to be as normal as possible. So Garth Brooks, pro Whataburger, uh, can't say enough good things about Garth Brooks. That was just icing on the cake. Yeah, I, I I believe it. I had a friend, and you know, I still talk to her. Um, she played soccer and was actually friends with Garth Brooks' daughter, and actually got to go to their house. And they had a bunch, obviously, a bunch of land, and had a bonfire out there. Garth, you know, had a few drinks and went out there to check on his daughter and their friends. And sure enough, Garth brings a guitar out there to the bonfire and uh, plays a few songs for them around the you know a little uh, around the fire uh i remember she told me that i thought there's i was like no way you had like a personal garth concert just because you know friends of the, do- the daughter like that's incredible oh that's so he seems like a genuine guy i mean right uh speaking of that you know they tore down his house that he lived in in stillwater Um, And everyone freaked out because they were like, how can you tear it down? And if you had been to, um, you know, Stillwater and saw that house, it had a huge plaque on it that said Garth Brooks lived here, yada, yada, from whatever year to whatever year. 
Um, but it wasn't, they didn't tear it down out of like, you know, I guess you would call it malice. They tore it down because, uh, I guess it was like unstable and it was like going to fall in. Um, so I'm like, okay, I get it. But still, yeah, there's, there's a Jones, the, the bar that you last went to in Stillwater that we all had a good time in before you forget your wallet in my car. Um, <laughs> that was the good, that was the bar Willie's saloon in Stillwater. That bar, that place that we sit in, that's that stage we played beer pong close to was where Garth Brooks got his start. Yes, that's it. It's also where the All American Rejects got their start as well. Don't yeah, know if you knew that's that. a cool place. Definitely would uh, would say you ought to check it out. But but uh, Garth Brooks, an uh, Oklahoma icon, and uh, sold so many albums. I think more platinums than anybody in history. All those sellout shows. We got to get Garth on the show one of these days. That's on our list. Oh, sure. I would I would cry. Yeah, that would be insane. Right. Oh, that would be uh, that'd be awesome. We get Garth on. But covering the inauguration, Tom, just from a a, a uh, you know an anchor from a journalist perspective. Um, you know, there, there's a, a rush, a, a thrill to it. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, just these big events. And when we flipped the switch and went on the air today and, and I got to talk about inauguration betting odds, uh, which is right up my alley. You know, no, no one knows betting like I do. Um, <laughs> and, you know, getting to talk about that. And I got to do a segment on the, uh, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and covering that history and uh, got to kind of narrate as those were coming into the inauguration ceremony. I mean, it was, uh, you know, like, like I said, you know, you, you don't have to, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on one way or the other. Uh, this was a, a day to celebrate America and our peaceful transition of power. Um, it, 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 was, it was great to see. We had over 400,000 viewers. Uh, very pleased with the numbers that we put up. I mean, just to give a perspective, Tom, I got so excited when I'd call high school football games and we get 6,000 viewers. And now I'm like, oh, holy crap, we got 400,000 people watching us. So um, just uh, just surreal, you know, just kind of soak it all in and, and uh, enjoy the journey, as they say. Right, yeah, I saw your snap with, you know, name lit on the front, and that's, uh, you yeah, know, that's, that's always pretty awesome to see. So, I know you're having fun. Yeah, I am. And, uh, you know, this this journey we're, that I'm on, you know, we're all on together. You know, I'm taping this show in my empty apartment. I just moved into an Omaha downtown. And uh, so, that's why you might hear an echo of some sorts, but uh, I'm looking forward to kind of documenting things along the way as we go about this process and continue to do this show as uh, we're in the 10th season now, which is crazy to think about, but uh, here we are. So with that being said, uh, enough about me, uh, enough about the inauguration or anything. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and get started with this uh, playoff weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills in the AFC title game. And good news for Chiefs fans. Patrick Mahomes was a full practice on Wednesday, as was Clyde Edwards-Elaire, as was Sammy Watkins. And we'll pick this game later on the show. You kind of know the drill by now that we do these picks. Um, but, you know, looking at this, this matchup, Tom, to me this was all about one player, about Patrick Mahomes. Um, Patrick Mahomes – 
has to play this game for the Chiefs to have a chance. And I know that Chad Henney played out of his mind to come away with that win, to have that pass on fourth down, to make the plays that he did. But Chad Henney's not Patrick Mahomes. In fact, he's not even my favorite backup quarterback the Chiefs have. I like Matt Moore actually a little bit better than Chad Henney, in all honesty. And I know that goes against our principle of Chad Henney Hennessy. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> I digress. Uh, the, the Chiefs need Mahomes. It looks like he's going to give it a go. I don't know if he's going to be 100%. I doubt it. But we just heard from Drew Brees' wife a couple days ago, and she was talking about all the injuries that he actually had that we didn't know about. Nobody's 100% at this point. So just to have Patrick Mahomes out there will make a significant difference for the Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, don't know how much he'll be involved, but you have the options, whether it's him, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, Daryl Williams. That's the main thing is that you have different guys that you can turn to, especially when you were so successful running the football in the first matchup against Buffalo. The receiving game, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have been phenomenal all season long um, with what they've been doing production-wise. It's just been terrific. But now you get one more element added to the equation, and that's Sammy Watkins. And Sammy Watkins has been phenomenal for the Chiefs in the postseason. They they call him playoff Sammy. Um, There's talk that Sammy Watkins – and, you know, Tom saw him play for the Rams, so he knows this firsthand. This guy gets injured a lot. I mean, there's no secret about it. But come playoff time, he flips a switch and has been great for the Chiefs. He has put himself in the conversation as one of the top five Chiefs receivers of all time because of what he's done in the postseason. So, again, much like Patrick, we don't know how close he is to 100%, but just to have him out there, Adding to your arsenal of Hill, Kelsey, Hardman, Robinson, uh, you know, Pringle, another guy there, and Sammy Watkins, that'll make a big difference. Now, as far as the matchup with the Bills goes, um, Stephon Diggs has been phenomenal all season long. Um, I, I, I told you from the moment that it went down that it was a mistake of Minnesota moving on from Stephon Diggs. And the fact that, you know, they basically had a choice, either extend Cousins or keep Diggs. And they chose the – they made the wrong decision. They chose the quarterback over the receiver. Um, And the Vikings paid a price for it, only winning, what, six games this year. Um, And kept, you know, one of the most overpaid quarterbacks in the league in Cousins. But nonetheless, um, Diggs has been exactly what Josh Allen has needed, a, a deep threat. And, you know, it's going to cause problems for the Chiefs. They are going to give up plays to, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs. But will it be enough plays? Um, you look at the Bills, their receiving core. Cole Beasley's been very good this year, surprised a lot of people. John Brown, who had a 1,000-yard season a year ago. Remember him from Pitt State? Well, he looked really good last week against the Ravens and surprised some folks. And Devin Singletary in the run game, They're going to cause problems for the Chiefs to deal with. And I would say that there's no way that we're going to see the Chiefs run the ball 40 times again. I would lean closer to this being a shootout of some sorts. And, Tom, when when it's all said and done, um, if we're going mano-a-mano here, 
You put the game in Buffalo, you put the game in Kansas City, I don't care. Everything on paper points to that with Patrick Mahomes in the the equation, the Chiefs are a better team. But here's the big but in all this is the Bills have played better than the Chiefs as of late. And so, you know, if both teams play an an A game, the Chiefs win. But based on this track record, Tom, of what we've seen from the Chiefs, these you know past couple months, we haven't seen that A game from the Chiefs in a while. Um, you, you have to point back to you know a long time from now, maybe that Ravens game. I mean, even the Bucks game when they played so great, or the Saints game. Those teams still came back and got some scores late. I don't even know if those are necessarily A performances, but they were very good. So, um, you know, the, that's what I wonder if the Bills are going to win this game. It's because of the Chiefs, I think, getting in their own way. And I like the Chiefs come playoff time. I think they kick it in another gear, but I'm not ruling out that possibility because I don't know what Chiefs team we're going to see. Yeah, neither do I. And uh, Mahomes isn't going to probably be as mobile, um, but you would rather have Mahomes' arm than Chad Henney's. And that's not a hate on Chad Henney. Sure, Henny would probably say the same thing if he had to pick. Um, so I think that's going to be the difference. Can he? Can Mahomes stay upright? Line will have to play well. Um, head coach of the Bills even said that he, you know, had had been up all night uh, this week thinking that, hey, how am I going to slow down that offense? Um, so the Bills' defense isn't bad, and they've been playing hot as late. Maybe that's a um, you know, one of those niceties that he says, well, we're going to slow down the Chiefs offense, but um, the Chiefs can win this game and they can cover, but you know, maybe I was a fool for taking the Chiefs to cover um, last week, but obviously the line, the line at this point at three is pretty much do or die for the Chiefs. I, I, I think to win the game, you either have to push that line or you have to cover. Um, there's, you know, it's essentially a pick them almost at that point. I know three points is three points, but, uh, you know, in, a, in an AFC championship game, at that point, if you're the Chiefs, you got to think, okay, we got to cover. Right. Um, now, something also to think about, and it, it almost seems – uh, cliche to bring this up, but the experience factor to me is fascinating in that it was just two years ago, Tom, that the Chiefs were the new kids on the block that had this second-year quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that couldn't win home playoff games for a long time, this franchise had, and all of a sudden they're in the AFC Championship game. They were one overtime away from going to the Super Bowl. Now, they're the hunted. They're the experienced team. They're the ones hosting the AFC title game for the third consecutive year. The first team since the Andy Reid Eagles teams to host three consecutive conference title games. First time that's happened in the AFC. And now the Bills come in. Young quarterback, young head coach, and Sean McDermott. And uh, McDermott's done an incredible job this year with that team. Josh Allen's had an MVP caliber season. 
and the Bills, who went all this time without winning a playoff game, um, without making the playoffs. I mean, there was a joke I remember a couple of years ago when we uh, Tom Martin came on the show, and, and uh, he used to cover the Bills and worked in Kansas City, and he talked about their playoff streak of how long they'd been before they'd actually been to a playoff game, uh, that it was old enough to buy cigarettes at one point, that streak was. Uh, that that uh, streak could uh, could vote. It was 18 years old since they had been to the playoffs. But here they are now, and they're in this position. Now we've seen that they've broken that streak. They've won those games. And so what I wonder is, does that experience, does that factor of now being the hunted versus the hunting, does that matter at all? Um you know, I don't think home field's going to matter one bit. 16,000 people, even with it full at Arrowhead, the Chiefs lost how many home games there over the years. Um, I wonder if the Chiefs being fresher, you know, having that off week and the experience factor, if those things mean anything at all. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day, maybe it means nothing. Maybe it means something. That, I, I don't know, but it, it certainly – uh, a factor that we'll find out one way or the other come Sunday. Yeah, it is. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how Mahomes is. I think Mahomes is going to give it his full effort. It'll be interesting to see how Turf Joe is. I don't know if he's going to be running around like he usually does. Um, you know, and, and the Bills are going to be a lot tougher. And it's no disrespect on the Browns, but, uh, you know, this Bills team is – I wouldn't call them experienced, but they their level of play is higher than that of the Browns. And so the Bills have not lost since the Hale Murray game. I mean, yeah, that's impressive. And, and that's a uh, game they should have won too. It was one bad play that didn't go their way. And and so I mean, even saying that, it's just like, oh. So this, you know, granted, I guess if if all of all things considered. Grand where they could be for the Chiefs. At least you're in Kansas City, and you're not in Buffalo. Yeah, you've already made that because no one circles the wagon like the Bills. <laughs> Thank you, Chris Berman. Yes, no one does circle the wagon like the uh, Buffalo Bills. I have liked this Bills team all season long, and what they've done to get to this point. Um, and, you know, they've taken some tremendous steps of growth. Uh, that's for certain. Uh, what, what I would say uh, before we kind of move on and all this is that there's, there's no surprise, I think, to this game. If the Bills come out on top, if they win the AFC title game and go into Kansas City and get this done, that's not a knock on Patrick. That's not a knock on the Chiefs. The Bills would just be the better team that day, and that's fine. Um, I know the Chiefs have had these ambitions of this run it back and you try to repeat as Super Bowl champions. And, and I'm not trying to already, you know, surrender victory of some sorts as is. I'm not going in with this loser mindset, but just actuality in respect of your opponent and everything here, there, there's, there's nothing that says the Bills can't win this game. They very well might be the better team right now. Um, I mean, that's, that's certainly possible. Uh, that's, I, I think that this Chiefs team cannot go in overconfident that, you know, hey, you, you've lost one game in a calendar year because the Bills, uh, if anybody's going to beat this Chiefs team, the Bills might have the best shot of anybody uh, left during this postseason right now, Tom. 
I mean, they could do it for sure. I don't expect the Bills to come out, and if, if the Bills could win, this game's going to be close. I don't think the Bills are – if the Bills do win, I don't think it's going to be some crazy blowout to the Chiefs. And, you know, in the same – you know, the same plane for the Chiefs, I don't think the Chiefs are going to come out and blow out the Bills. Uh, the Bills are just too, you know – I don't know what the word is. The words for the Bills would be they're just – they got too much respect for themselves. The Bills aren't going out – and you can bleep me here. The Bills aren't going out like bitches. I can tell you that right now. I'm, I'm not um, bleeping out bitches, by the way. <laughs> that's fine, too. But then neither are the Chiefs, though, uh, which is going to make for a hell of a game. Yeah. Um, and I, did, I, I wouldn't say the Browns went out like that either. The Browns did put up a fight, um, you know, had got down early and – kind of the same way the Steelers got down early to try to make a comeback um, and just couldn't pull it off the same way. The same thing happened to the Browns that they did to the Steelers. Um, but this is a whole new ball game for both teams, you know, the Bills yeah. and the Chiefs. Yeah, um, The Bills would rather be in Buffalo, but um, just because they're in KC doesn't mean they can't do it. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is close. I would say 55 Chiefs, 45 Bills. This is as close to as a toss-up that you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. But uh, should be a good game. And uh, I, I got to say, just one more last note on this game, Dom. Uh, as excited as I am to see the Chiefs have the chance to run it back and repeat and do all that. Um, I've never been to Buffalo, New York, not once in my life. I have no connections to that franchise. But I've always liked the Bills. Um, you know, they're, that – the way they do things in Buffalo through all the hard times they went through, you know, losing those four Super Bowls, the, uh, the Scott Norwood kick that, you know, he, he missed and such. I've always had just kind of a soft spot for the Bills. So I can't be more than happy for these guys. If they win on Sunday, so be it. Um, I'm happy for the Bills to see them win the AFC East, with finally Dom Brady out of there and everything, I think that's an incredible story for them to be in that spot. Um, I hope the Chiefs win, don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm certainly happy for Buffalo uh, to be in this position, Tom. Yeah, can you imagine if it's Buffalo, you know, if it's Bills versus Bucks Super Bowl, how much that Bills fan base is going to want that win? All right. Oh, my gosh. That's the team. I'll, the be, circ- I'll be circling the wagon that day. Right. That's the team the Bills want. No question. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I would want the Packers. <laughs> that too. Um, but, yeah, so that's uh, the AFC title game. Certainly uh, going to be a fun one come Sunday between the uh, Bills and the Chiefs. Let's talk the NFC championship game now. The Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two of the hottest teams in football. Uh, the Bucs really turned a corner in that last quarter of the season off the bye week, we saw uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady really work things out. Remember, um, in particular, that Rams game, I said after that one, I said, why on earth is Bruce Arians continuing to force Tom Brady to throw the football down the field? He's never had a great arm, even in the prime of his career. Why are you continuing to make him do that? And, uh, you know, he was turning the ball over too much. And then they adjusted things, went to more of a short passing game. Tom Brady was more efficient and 
He uh, cut back on the turnovers. You look at this past week against the the Packers there, the stat line, who was the leading receiver? It was Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette couldn't even catch the football five weeks ago, and all of a sudden he's leading the Bucs in receiving. That's the Tom Brady way. Took Arians a while, took the team to adjust, and I told you that was going to happen, that this Bucs team was going to be good, but it was going to take time. Now they've gotten better over time. Meanwhile, the Green Bay Packers have been a machine all season. This team has been incredible. Um, You know, we knew that Aaron was going to play with a chip on his shoulder of some sorts the moment that the Packers drafted Jordan Love. And has he ever? Uh, He came out firing out of the gates. And we heard this talk in the offseason that Matt LaFleur wanted to go to more of a a run attack to open up the play action that they want to run the ball about 65% of the time. And they were really just messing with us. They have a balanced offense. They run the ball good. They pass the ball. Well, it's not a hurry up attack. Aaron Rodgers uses up the play clock almost every play, but it works. And I know that Aaron hasn't got the weapons necessarily he's wanted to in the draft, but he's got a pretty good backfield there. He's got one of the best receivers in the league, Devontae Adams. They've been terrific. And their defense has been fantastic, too. Matt LaFleur has done an incredible job these first two seasons there in Green Bay. And uh, they're just a terrific team all around. And Aaron Rodgers is playing great. So, Dom, I could see this one going either way. The storyline, of course, is going to be the quarterbacks, Brady and Rodgers. I think you might have one of the highest-rated conference championship games of all time just with those two quarterbacks alone. Um, it's going to be a fun one. I think the Packers are the better team. And, and playing at home, playing at Lambeau Field, the home field advantage for them is not going to be that they're uh, playing there in front of a, a Green Bay crowd. It's the fact they're going to be playing there and there's going to be weather conditions. It's going to be cold. There's a chance of snow. But what I would say, too, to counter that, to counter my own point, Tom, is that this Tampa Bay team – This is not your average team as far as a team from the South that plays in a warm environment going up to a cold place like Green Bay. Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, those guys played in northern cities in the AFC late in the season. They've been here before, so I wouldn't read too much into that. But nonetheless, Green Bay at home and Aaron Rodgers, going to be a great quarterback matchup. But this one, it's hard to count on Aaron Rodgers uh, here in this situation. First time he's ever got to host a conference title game in his career as well. It is. And, um, you know, Jones, we like to talk about Devontae Adams and A-Rod, and I've been talking about Aaron Rodgers all season. If you want to go back to the first show before we, you know, started picking them, um, you'll hear me on there saying I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a great season. Turns yeah. out he has an MVP season. And, and I believe um, you picked the Packers to go to the Super Bowl, and I had the Bucks going to the Super Bowl. So one of us is going to look like a genius. I think so. I think I had Packers Chiefs, if I'm going to be honest. And I had I think Packers – and I had Bucks Chiefs. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've, covered our, be right. we've covered our bases unless the Bills just screw us over. Um, you and I were on it before the season began. So kudos to us. Yay, us. I mean, and we're, and we're in the top two in the, in the pick'em currently. So, you know, can, and Bo, too. Bo's tied with you. So, well, I mean, we'll get to that later. But, and Bo was high um, on the, uh, the, the Packers. Um, 
So yeah, exactly. I mean, they were, they were destined and, and, you know, I will say, you know, and I hate to say this and you're going to have me on record saying this. And just because he, you know, put it on my team, the Rams last week. Um, I'll tell you, you know, what's a great story out of green Bay. And a lot of people are focused on the, Oh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. you know, maybe was going to have a down year or, you know, well, they brought in Jordan love and, all this BS. There's a story in Green Bay not being talked about enough, and it's Alan Lazard. Yes. Iowa State, former Iowa State receiver, went undrafted, got picked up by the Packers, and is now a pretty much a, I think, was he's in the slot and a he's starter. And is, yeah. Right. And it's, had, it's just having a great year. Um, you know, came out the same year as, um, Oklahoma State wide receiver. I can remember Alan Rosard, but I can't remember this guy. Um, Justin Blackman. Big t- no, no, no. Came out the same year as big tall guy on OSU. Second receiver next to James Washington. Uh, now I feel like a blasphemous OSU fan. Um, but he went. He ended up going the Raiders undrafted as well. Is you know not been as good, but. Um, Considering all things, if you want to talk about a great story in in the league uh, that's not talked about enough, it's Alan Lazard. Um, He's been incredible. Um, Long, lean, mean machine. Um, He's he's been killing it, honestly. And um, so I can't say enough about him. He's been a reason why Aaron Rodgers has had a great year along with Devontae Adams. Um, because of Devontae Adams is usually centered on, and, and Lazard has stepped up and been great. Um, but the Packers, by Jones, the way, were you talking about Marcel Aitman? Marcel Aitman, yes, thank you. Um, Marcel Aitman, Lazard both went undrafted. Lazard and Aitman, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, but coming out of that draft, both of those players should have been drafted, um, and, and obviously Lazard's making it known why now. Uh, why he should have been drafted because he's been having a hell of a year. He's an integral part of that offense. Oh, yeah. um, and, and he's uh, the reason why that, that Aaron Rodgers is having – not the reason, but one of the reasons Aaron Rodgers is having the year that he's having. Yeah. I mean, Tom, he, he knows my dad, and uh, my dad's a big NFL draft guy. And, you know, we were thinking, uh, you know, at the time, like, oh, Lazard, he's probably, what, a second, third-round talent maybe, and then he goes on drafts. like, what? This doesn't make sense. And, and to see what he's done to be a part of that offense, to give Rodgers another weapon, I mean, it's an incredible story. And, and he's huge for them, what he's able to bring to the, uh, the table there. And, uh, you know, looking at this, Tom, you know, this, this matchup here, I think that Tom Brady has more weapons to work with, but I'll take Rodgers over Brady any day right now. I mean, it's the, the two kind of balance themselves out. I think this game comes down to defense personally, and, and uh, we saw the Bucs come up with a ton of turnovers last week against New Orleans. Um, the Green Bay defense has been great all season long here. I mean, this is uh, – uh, that, that's what I'm looking at, Tom, is those defenses here. I think the offenses are pretty close. The defense, I think, is what decides this game personally. Yeah, and you know the first game between these, the Packers got essentially obliterated 
in a game that I did not think they were going to get obliterated in. I think the Packers probably took that a little personally, and I can't see either team blowing out either team. Um, so, and we'll get to the picks later, but I mean, I've said it all year. Aaron Rodgers gets his first NFC Championship game in Lambeau. And, you know, and, and Tom Tom's had many of AFC Championships in Gillette. I mean, I think between the two, they're both going to have great games. But at the same time, man, you, who's who's wanting this game? Who's really wanting this game more? I mean, that's kind of rhetorical, but you know. You, you think that means something? You don't think they both want it? No, I think Tom wants it. But I think Aaron Rodgers wants it more. Um. What coach do you trust more? Do you do you like LaFleur or Bruce Arians more? I lean I lean towards LaFleur because I, I've seen Bruce Arians kind of get his own team's way at times this year. Yeah, he's a downfield guy. Um, you know, he's you know will will test the downfieldness even when it's not there. Maybe the Packers can lure him into doing that of going deep. Um, I mean, you have two great, great, great wide receivers here. You got Evans and you got Devontae Adams. I mean, two big targets. Um, you know, if last week we had Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams, this week on two opposite sides of the ball, we have Adams and, and Evans, and, and that may make all the difference. And uh, as far as the running game goes, Aaron Jones had a great game for the Packers last week. We'll see if he can do it again. But, um, it's really, I think, Jones, this game comes down to individual performances. And you mentioned the defense, that's going to happen too. But I, I think who can make the bigger plays? Who's, I, I think this game comes down to who wants it more. I mean, who's going to make the, who's going to be the big playmakers? I'm going to say right now, Alan Lazard is going to be one of the reasons why the Packers could come away. And the reason that the Bucks could come away, Tom Brady, Gronk. Maybe Gronk finally shows up, um, but you know they're they're used to the cold weather, so it's you know that limits that advantage that the Packers usually have over the rest of the NFL. Right. Um, one guy I'm looking at, uh, Antonio Brown. Um, you know he he made his debut with the Chiefs back on or with the uh, Bucks back on November eighth, and you know he, he had a great game against the Falcons. Uh, two great games against the Falcons. But other than that, he, he's been kind of just another guy uh, for this team. He hasn't had any problems in the locker room that we know of, um, keywords key words that we know of. Um, it looks like, you know, he's good to go, that, you know, he, he had an MRI on his knee that showed no serious injuries, um, you know, that, that he looks good to go and such. I wonder with – with Evans and Godwin and Gronk and such, can you get that Antonio Brown that we saw just two years ago, three years ago, whatever? Tom, is that that as those days of Antonio Brown come and gone? I, I wonder if you can get that out of him in this type of game. Yeah, you may be able to. He's had his his brief showings. Um. Of of the old Antonio Brown, if he can, if he can uh, pop off, you know, if he can pop off, then 
who's to say that that he can't be the X factor uh, for this game? I mean, he's shown flashes. I, I think it's still there, maybe not fully, but um, I mean, at that point, you know, Russell Westbrook mindset, why not? <laughs> right. Why not? Yeah. So with that, uh, there you have it. That's uh, our breakdown of the NFC Championship game. We'll uh, talk about these games more later on in our pick segments. And uh, also we'll have more NFL conversation with our football fix when uh, Coach Bo joins us coming up later on in the show. But right now, let's uh, talk more Chiefs. Darren Smith set to join us here on the Jones Report. Stay with us. <laughs> Joining us now here on the Jones Report this week from Sports Radio 810 WHP, also ESP in Kansas City and KLKC in Parsons. It is my guy Darren Smith who's back on the Jones Report once again. Darren, I know it's been a minute, man, but great to catch up with you as always. What's going on? Uh, look, all as well. You know, I'm a little jealous. I mean, you, you done moved up, moved out. You didn't, you know, moved up to the deluxe apartments in the sky up in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. So congratulations to you, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I'm coming at you from my apartment right now to these empty walls, actually. We're, we're still in the moving process as we speak, but everything is good. And uh, I'm glad you're doing well. And now we Thanks. just got to get you up here uh Cross that uh, Omaha uh, border over to Iowa. We get some sports betting done, man. I you ain't say nothing but a thing. Actually, it's funny. My uh, my home church. We actually have a church up in Omaha where we generally come up there every June, every first weekend in June. So that's that's the trip that I normally make every year. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I better hear from you then when uh, when you get up here, man. We'll, uh, we'll Sit done. Make something happen. But uh, Darren. Uh, AFC Championship as well as the NFC Championship coming up this weekend. Let's start out with the elephant in the room, Patrick Mahomes. What's the latest on his status for Sunday as far as that goes? He returned to practice today. Uh, He took all the snaps, according to Andy Reid. He took all the snaps, uh, limited practice. But, look, man, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat your audience, anyone else. Patrick Mahomes is starting Sunday. He's going to be on the center. Anybody who thinks or believes anything different is fooling themselves. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, we know that he had kind of like a turf toe issue. He was evaluated for concussion. His neck was checked out. Um, I mean, there's no way we're going to see Patrick at 100%, right? I mean, they're going to throw him out there, but um, I mean, it, it, I would be shocked if we see him at full strength, right? Patrick could have came back in the game Sunday, uh, according to our guy Carrington. Uh, Patrick, I think it was one question that he didn't pass. That was what kept him out of coming back in Sunday's game. Again, uh, you know, the, t- the the toe could be an issue, but it, it, if, if Andy Reid is having him practice uh, and, ta- and he's taking all the snaps, granted, they're not doing any hitting this week. It's glorified uh, walkthrough practices, but Patrick will be okay. I mean, no, nobody is really 100% at this time, at this time of the year anyway. So, So to even think that, uh, Patrick will be 90, 95%, but no, nobody is truly 100% going into what week 18, week 19 of the NFL season. Right. Well, and then not to mention, you know, we, we, we get the news about Drew Brees from his wife of all the stuff that he had going on that we didn't even know about. Makes you think on Patrick and any of the other, these other guys, what's really going on. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Darren, uh, as far as that goes. So with that being said, um, with Patrick, what type of performance do you expect to see out of him on Sunday against this Bills defense? 
Honestly, I'm I'm also if you if you suit up and you play, I expect you to do what do what you expect uh, Patrick Williams to do. So I expect Patrick to come out Sunday to throw for four touchdowns uh, at a minimum, because you know the importance. The players, as you as you know, uh, Tyler, all year have their models been running back. You don't get this close to where you're hosting the SC championship game for the third year in a row. This close to you know having a chance to run it back and repeat, just to lay down and blow uh, against the Buffalo Bills or or even the Cleveland Browns uh, from last week's game. So uh, I expect nothing less than than an A plus performance from Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The last time these two teams met back in October, the Chiefs ran the ball for 40 times and over 250 yards. It was the most carries and the most rushing yards that we'd ever seen by a Chiefs team in the Andy Reid era. Darren, I would be shocked if we saw anything similar to that. What say you as far as this matchup goes against Buffalo of of what kind of uh, game plan we see out of Andy and company? I'll be honest. If 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 they if they went in with the same game plan, it wouldn't surprise me because at the end of the day, you're trying to get to Tampa Bay by any means necessary. So if it means if it means that you you know and look and Patrick said it even to that game that they won twenty six seventeen that if they have to run the ball to win the ball game, he's fine with it. You know and and because he has he, he has that option at the line of the scrimmage. You know, with the RPOs, either run or pass the ball. I mean, the the call is really in his hands, and so um, I think you know. I, I think for me personally, this game I can see it because Clyde Ersolier came back to practice today as well. Now, whether or not he starts again, I, I you know we won't know the kickoff on how uh, on how the lineup is going to look. But if but if Clyde is in the starting lineup, uh, followed by Williams and, and Bill. I see, you know, I can see a scenario where, you know, to protect Patrick, if that running game is successful, you just stick with it. You stick with it. You keep Josh Allen on the sideline. But, you know, I mean, you can run the ball up and down the field and then, then get down within the red zone and Patrick Mahomes throw the touchdown. I mean, which is what he did in Buffalo. I mean, he only he only had like 200 yards passing, but he had two touchdowns. So, you know, so I can see a scenario where the Chiefs, Try to duplicate what they did in Buffalo, uh, if that's what it takes to get to, to get to Tampa Bay. Because you can always open it back up, you know, after two weeks, and you know the weather, you know the weather is you know 80, 80 degrees in Tampa Bay. You can open up the office back, you know, but you just want to get to that game, and you want to get to it by any means necessary. Sure, sure, Darren Smith of uh, ESPN Kansas City Sports at 0810, KLKC Parsons joining us here on the Jones Report this week. You brought up Daryl Williams, and he got the load of the carries last week, more so than Le'Veon Bell has. We've seen his numbers kind of increase here the last couple of weeks. Uh, do you think he's going to be the main bell cow come Sunday, or do you think we'll see more Clyde or Le'Veon? What's the run game you think going to look like? It honestly depends on the health uh, of Clyde. I mean, if he's if he's able to go full bore and practice the rest of this week, then you know I do I do expect to see uh, you know a heavy dose of Clyde. Look, I think he got injured in the New Orleans game in the New Orleans Saints game, so he's had a chance to rest up and rest his body and stuff like that. And and because of where the team was in the seed wise, it, it wasn't it wasn't an issue for the team to kind of rush him back after. So I think if we do see Clyde, I think we see Clyde at 100%. Um, and and then, then I think you see more Daryl Williams. Darryl, I think Williams had 
what, 12 to 15 carries last week for like 75, 78 yards. So, I mean, he, he played well where he averaged five yards and carries. So I could definitely see a scenario where, you know, you have that two-headed monster uh, between Clyde and, and even Daryl. And look, I, I, don't, I don't really know what the situation is with, um, with Avion Bell, but, you know, if he if, if he's able to go, then, like I said, you got a three-headed monster. Plus, of course, Sammy Watkins returned to practice today as well. So that is, is actually – more vital, more important for Kansas City's offense. If you got Sammy Watkins out there, um, you know, anywhere near 100%, then the Chiefs offense with Patrick coming back and obviously Tyreek and Travis, I mean, it really it, it, it really shouldn't be much of a contest when you look at what Buffalo has. They have Diggs, they have uh, Cole Beasley, and you got Josh Allen. I mean, look, I like Devin, uh, Devin Singletary, but outside of those three players, nothing, nothing offensively scares me about the Buffalo Bills. Now, I'm not saying that to be overconfident. But it, it is what it is. You know, the team just didn't have the weapons to go up and down the field. Well, nobody has the weapons to go up and down the field with Kansas City. So with Kansas City having all of their uh, offensive weaponry back coming in Sunday's game, again, I like Kansas City's chances to where – they should win this game handily. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you there, Darren. I think you you make a lot of sense. Uh, you mentioned Sammy Watkins uh, coming back from injury. Been a while since we've seen him. We know what he's capable of in the postseason. As uh, he's got an outstanding track record for the games that he's put up the uh, last several years here. Adding him to Kelsey and Tyreek, each playing at a high level right now. Um, Sammy Watkins, uh, I, I'm excited, Darren, to see what kind of spark he can provide of some sorts of this offense, what what he's got up his sleeve as he tends to do this time of the year. Yeah, look, I, I am almost off the Sammy Watkins train because, to me, he gets injured too much for my liking. However, um, you know, this is – this this his presence and what he means to the team is undeniable. When he when he's there, and, and you know he's 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 kind of like Travis Kelsey, where he becomes Patrick's safety blanket. You know when all those feels when when Travis is covered, when Tyreek is covered, boom, they're Sammy Watkins out there in the flat. I can get the ball to him. He can you know he he can continue to stretch the field. He can continue to extend the plays, and you know and 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 as a quarterback, that's something that you really I mean that you really really really. Um, you know, could could not hope for anything more than what he's able to do. Um, obviously, you know, his veteran leadership and what he brings to the team, the team feeds off because, you know, the, I guess they call him playoff Sammy because generally that's where his best, his best numbers and what he does best seems to pick up is in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, he's been so fun to watch in the postseason the last few years and hopefully has another good performance come Sunday. The, the offensive line, um, you know, they've been very unhealthy for much of the year, especially without uh, their star right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz, uh, who's been gone most of the season and such. Um, and we saw Cleveland get pressure last week. They are able to uh, at least, uh, you know, get some hurries on Patrick Mahomes of sorts. Uh, what's the status of what, what that O-line looks like? Do you think they should have any issues dealing with this uh, Buffalo defense? Yeah, that's the real good question because I don't know which which uh, which Chiefs offensive line is going to show up. <laughs> I mean, because 
you know, Patrick was pressured a couple of times. Granted, you know, I, I would say it was more of the play calling that got Patrick hurt than the offensive line. But, you know, Patrick has been running for his life a little bit too much for my liking. Um, I don't know the extent to Buffalo's uh, pressure on the offensive line. And so, obviously, because to me, the Chiefs won the line of scrimmage against uh, against Buffalo when they played them the first time back in October. Uh, to that extent, if the chief, if the Chiefs can, if the Chiefs can obviously keep Patrick upright and keep the pressure to a minimum uh, with Patrick, but look, it's also going to be it's also going to be incumbent on Patrick to to get the ball out of his hands. If he decides if he's going to you know RPO it and and give the ball off, okay, cool. If he's going to pass it, he needs to be decisive in the decision making uh, where he gets the ball. And so so the pressure, even if they do bring it, won't matter as much because he'll get the ball out and get the ball out to, you know, to the right receiver or to the right running back, uh, you know, saying to, to make the correct proper play. Yeah. Uh, let's talk uh, defense now with uh, this Chiefs squad. Um, looking at, in particular, let's start with that uh, secondary there, going up against, you mentioned Diggs and Beasley and some of these uh, weapons that the uh, Buffalo Bills uh, possess their very good skill players, uh, not necessarily what the Chiefs have, but nonetheless, some dangerous guys in digs. Well, how are you feeling about the Honey Badger and those guys uh, squaring off against this uh, this uh, Bill squad? I'll be honest. Uh, I like the Chiefs defensively in that backfield against the uh, against the receivers. I just say I, I think the the way the Spags designs the defense one because he's running a nickel defense with you know with with the with the defensive backs where he's got obviously the Jerry Sneed and Breland and and um uh, uh, Juan Thornhill of course Daniel Sorison uh Legere Sneed if I didn't if I didn't mention him also and and then uh, Tyron Matthews I mean there's just there's a lot of talent out there to where I'm not I'm not as concerned. I, I will say this what would be most concerning is this: is that if you do not, if you do not hear Frank Clark or Chris Jones's name in the first half being called a lot, you know, at least early and often, that I think is is gonna is gonna become an issue because that's something that cannot happen if you're the Kansas City Chiefs to where, um, you know, to to where to where your your twenty million dollar players are not showing up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got to have those guys uh, show up. But uh, as far as Tyron Matthew goes, uh, with the way that he's played, especially in that second half of the season, I mean, that landlord, I mean, he's been collected a lot of rent here the last couple of weeks. What is clip for, click for Tyron Matthew? Why, why do you think he's playing at such a high level right now, the best football of his career? Do you think it's him coming into his own or, or is a lot of it have to do with spags? What say you as far as what's really gotten uh you know Tyron Matthew to play at this level. It's a combination of the two. Obviously Spag's defense uh calls for him to to be all over the field, you know, kind of that Jamal Adams, uh, uh Earl Thomas type of position to where he can line up and 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 play all over the field to where to where offensively you have to you have to kind of keep a spy on him because you have to know where he's at because otherwise he can come around and make the play. Um, you know, but also, you know, he and some of the other players, they know what time it is, Tyler. I mean, here it is. You're talking about trying to run it back. I mean, uh, I mean, one, 
you've got the best record in the league. You know you're going to get your opponent's best. But to be the best, and you're talking about trying to build a legacy and build a dynasty and stuff like that, I mean, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And, and, and he realizes that, you know, the only way – I mean, what's – What's it going to mean for you to have the best record, only to lose an AFC Championship game, and not, you know, one on your home on your home field, to where the Chiefs would end up being one and two? So, so basically, if Arrowhead Stadium is to be this big home field advantage, and the Chiefs go one and two, what's that mean? And, and so, and and look, you know, for somebody like me who likes to hold players accountable by the words that they say and and, and by what you talk about, what success means. You know, you can't, you can't, you, you can't say you're successful and you're losing the important games when you have home field advantage. I mean, that's supposed to be a safety net for you. And so, I think he understands that. He knows what's at stake, uh, and 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 he and he feels that as the quote unquote leader of the defense, that it's his job to make sure that he can't ask his teammates to do any more than he's willing to do or that he's willing to give. And so, and so by his, by his play on the field, he can, he can then go back and make sure the other players are given their best because they see that he is. Sure. Sure. Darren Smith of uh, WHB ESPN, Kansas city, KLKC Parsons joining us here on the Jones report this week. And uh, Darren, you know, I, I, we're, we're Facebook friends. I see your posts about every week uh, of this chief's team, not beating teams bad enough uh, of these games getting too close for comfort and such. Um, This week against Buffalo, where's your confidence level? Are you worried at all about the way that the Chiefs have had these tight games of sorts? Does that concern you going into this game against Buffalo here? It would not have concerned me had Patrick not gone out with an injury uh, last week uh, because, of course, you know, uh, Harrison Bucker missing missing those early kicks. Oh, they, they got to cut Bucker next year, by the way. Huh? They got to cut Bucker. I'm done with Bucker. Yeah, I'm done with them as well. Um, for me, if Patrick is healthy, again, the game should not be close. You know, the the what concerns me is that is that. They build a lead, but then the defense kind of gets complacent because they're trying to make big plays, you know, once they – because the defense is built to sustain the lead. It's not really built to come back from behind, even though that's kind of scenario that took them through to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, but for me, this team in Sunday's game, again, will we'll go as far as where Patrick is. If um, Patrick Mahomes – if Patrick Mahomes is healthy – and he can methodically, you know, and I don't care if it's methodically down the field or or, or doing it quickly. Now, I prefer that they that, that they don't score quickly because all you do is you put your defense back out there and, and you give Josh a chance to come right back out and go score for score. So if it's me and I'm most – I prefer them – you know, I don't mind you scoring, but I also like you to take seven, eight minutes off the clock. You know, stand, take your time and walk down and score. Give your defense, you know, a chance to rest – and then when they come back out, they're fresh, and perhaps they can get a three and out on them. And then you come back and methodically march down the field once again and score. And now you have two, you know, two scores. And then what do they have to do? They have to now kind of do a hurry up type offense because they, because in their mind, they know they can't mentally afford to fall behind three scores. So you know, 
you may get them to speed up what they do. They they may end up making a mistake. They may end up going three and out. They may end up, you know, fumbling the ball or throwing interception. You turn around, you make them pay for it. Whether it's a field goal this time around or a touchdown, now you have 17 or 21 to zero. Now you got things going in the direction you go. But what what will happen is if that happens, is that then the defense, yeah, they'll try to they'll try to tee off on uh on Allen, they'll end up making a mistake, you know, trying to be too greedy. Allen will hit them, will hit them with a deep pass. They'll score, that'll cut into the lead, and then for whatever reason, Kansas City will come back out, and then and then they start to get conservative on offense. That's the type of stuff that concerns me, and and that's why I always say that when you have an opportunity to put your foot on their necks, you got to keep it on there, because this team has always said that they feel like they can average fifty points. This is when you need to start putting the 50 points up. Yeah, uh, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, this matchup against Josh Allen and the Bills, um, you know, it seems like, Darren, the, the media has been trying to find a worthy opponent for Patrick Mahomes, somebody his, his age uh, to compete against. Uh, you know, they've tried to sell us on Lamar Jackson being that guy, but They've uh, never faced each other in the postseason. Lamar hasn't won a, play, a postseason game uh, – or he won a postseason game, but hasn't won one against the Chiefs yet, um, okay. you know, as, as far as that goes. Josh Allen, uh, you know, getting to his first AFC championship game, very good season and all around Patrick's age. Do you think Josh Allen is the guy to be the counter to uh, Patrick Mahomes, or do you think it's someone else, or, or maybe – there is no counter to Patrick. What say you as far as uh, who's the biggest challenge of sorts uh, for Patrick the next few years, you think? The biggest challenge is going, to, is going to be Deshaun Watson, but it's going to be wherever he lands at. If he's still in the AFC or if he gets traded to the NFC. Um, if he gets traded to the NFC, then I would say, I, I mean, I, I could I could credibly say maybe Josh Allen, but here's the thing. Um Patrick has only lost one playoff game. That's the Tom Brady. Right. So, that's yeah, yeah. So it's hard to it's hard to say anybody really is is, is going to be a rival to him because I think I think the shine is one and one. No, the shine is one and two against against Patrick. Um, the other uh, Lamar Jackson is over three. Uh, against uh, against I think 0 for 2 0 for 3 against uh, against them I think obviously coming into this weekend Josh Allen is, is 0 for 1. So, I mean there, there's not too many players who actually have a win you know ha- have a winning record against against uh, Patrick Mahomes. So it, it's hard to say who who's going to be that quote unquote rival because you know not enough players play them enough. I, I think Baker is now 0 and 2 against against Patrick as well yeah. in the NFL. It's it, it's really hard to say who would be but if I if I had a, if I had a, if I had my my brothers um I would say Deshaun Watson cuz he's he's the one that's legitimately just as good as as Patrick. Yeah. I, I can see that. That's a that's a good point there with Deshaun Watson and uh man uh, I hope for his sake that he gets out of Houston ASAP and finds a good home. He deserves a lot better than what uh, he's been treated down there for sure. A few more things, Darren, before we uh, let you run here. Um, you know, the if the Chiefs were to win, they would take on the winner of the Bucks or the Packers. What do you think about a potential matchup with either one of those teams for Kansas City? 
Well, I think I'm the only one on record thus far against the media that cheap bucks. So right now, I'm pretty much the only one that stuck. I think I think a lot of players, a lot of people had either Chiefs, the Packers, or the Chiefs and the Saints. So the fact that I was the only one that really believed in Tom Brady, you know, says says a lot about my football IQ. Um, hey, I, I picked but, the Bucks and Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl preseason. Okay, well, I I, I picked it last year. I, th- I think I've already proven it. Uh, once they signed Tom Brady, I think I, I think I, I think since we are Facebook friends, you know I picked them way back in April. So and that's what I did too. About the same time, around the, we did around the same time. So you and I are on the same page here. Okay. Well, that been the case, and I appreciate I appreciate you. You know, we're on you and I are on an island here, Darren, and then everyone yeah, else is trying to catch up to us. We are. Um, I, I look for for me in in, in that in a NFC game. I think the Tampa Bay, seriously, I think they need to have a repeat defensively of what they did last week against the uh, New Orleans Saints. I'm not expecting Aaron Rodgers to throw three interceptions. I don't I, I don't think that happens. But if if they can put if they can put pressure on Rodgers like they did in Tampa when they when when they when they when they beat him 38 to 10, granted the obviously the elements are gonna be much different. Being being at it in Lambeau, uh, you know, I truly think that Tom Brady, for Tampa Bay to win that game, Tom Brady, Tom Brady's going to have to beat him mentally. He he's he's going to have to do exactly what they did what what they did against uh, New Orleans last week, because look, the defense did their job. The defense was outstanding, but early on in the game, that offense couldn't get things moving. But 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 the flip side is. Brady did not put the the offense in, in in any in any situation to where they could really turn the ball over, you know, and and, and give away good field position. For me, if they if, if they do the same thing because of the inclement weather up there, again, I like I I think they have more weapons offensively than, than what Aaron Rodgers has, and and and, and Brady just has to utilize it. Uh, well enough to just you know to to make the right moves and the, and to not make any uh, you know turnovers or any type of mistakes because to be honest, I think defensively the Bucks should be okay because cold weather you know stuff like that. I mean, even though we're talking about a team that's based in Florida, if you're a defensive player, you want to play in that kind of weather you know because because what you want to do is you want to set you want to set the momentum early on in the game so. If Devontae Adams or Lazard or anyone comes across the middle, you want to light their ass up. And, and, and you want them to think twice about coming across the middle when Aaron Rodgers sends for them because what they'll do, you know, they'll they'll look, you know, they'll they'll either grow alligator arms or they'll, you know, or, or they just won't make the catch because they'll be too busy trying to figure out where the footsteps are coming from. So look, defensively, I, I like them, but I mean Hey man, it's it's gonna be a real good game. I mean, I can look. I, I can I can see a scenario where the elements works and works in uh, uh, Green uh, Green Bay's favor, and and Aaron Rodgers could could, could have a field day. But I, I put like this: if Tom Brady gets up, if Tom Brady has a chance to score first and gets up seven to zero, I like their chances. In yeah, yeah, that wouldn't would that be something if. Uh... That works out that way. We'll uh, we'll see. 
Uh, Darren, uh, I got to ask you about Eric Bieniemy. This guy should have been the very first coach hired. What the hell is going on? Do you think he's going to land one of these last two jobs, or is he going to be back in Kansas City next year? I think he'll be back in Kansas City next year. The the, the problem is this: is that even though well, a lot of problems, even though I think he uh, he had his interview with the Texans, he would have to have a conversation with Deshaun Watson that said, you know, they, they had to have a private conversation themselves to where if the enemy is offered the job, then Deshaun stays. Because there's no way if I'm Eric enemy, I'm taking that job and Deshaun Watson is not there. Right. And, With draft capital and salary cap and all that stuff. Yeah, because cause then you cause then you're kind of doomed to fail. And and and, and the thing is, Deshaun pretty much he's he's pretty much mentally out uh of Houston. And so you know, had they had they had they interviewed Eric Bieniemy beforehand, which, for whatever reason, why they did not interview him during the bye week is just criminal. You know, what I'm saying and to to where to where Deshaun Watson has to kind of go public with his with his feelings and stuff like that, and 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 now now the organization is trying to do an about face uh, with, with doing the interview with Eric Bieniemy. But again, you know, it it it's so far it, it's so far it's so far gone now. With the situation with Deshaun, it's like if you're Eric Bieniemy, you don't even want to be seen as turning the job down if it's offered to you. Because now it's like if you if if you turn the job if you turn it if you turn the position down, then then that could hurt you, you know, in the future. Because you know here it is, we're, you know, we complained the last two three years about you not getting a job, and now you turn the job down. So, I mean, he he's almost damned if you do, damned if he doesn't, but. The league itself, they're you know, they're going to face a real crisis right now with the you know with 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 the with the, you know with these openings and you don't have any black coaches being hired now. Robert Sala is a Muslim and, and, and Lebanese, but he's not considered black, and so um, I mean that's a league of thirty-two teams. And you only got two black coaches, Mike Tomlin and and Brian Flores. Not a real good look. And then these coaches that you're hiring. Man, I got nothing for you, man. That's because, you know, I mean, this. I know it's a Tyler Jones report, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say what I really feel. So. Hey, s- sound off, man. You, we, we, I'll give you a flow right now. Tell me what you. Th- this is a podcast. You, you can uh, say whatever the hell you want, man. I mean, it's uh, it's white privilege at its finest. I mean, granted, you know, you're not gonna, you can't really tell an owner who to hire. But you can't. But but you but you can't credibly say that these people, like the Los Angeles Rams uh, defensive coordinator, they got hired for the Chargers job. Are you f-ing kidding me? Eric Bieniemy, you know, what I'm saying played for you, has won a Super Bowl, is is, is on the verge of, of coaching in a second Super Bowl, might win two back to back. You gonna try to tell me that this guy that you brought in from the Rams is more qualified than him? Seriously? You know, so, I mean, and, and and then not only that, here's the worst part about it. You have four coordinators in this weekend's games. Leslie Frazier for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, for the Bills, Eric Bieniemy for the Chiefs, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. You mean to tell me that all these coaches that you hired are more qualified than those four? Mm-hmm. That's a problem. It is. And the the thing that 
makes me even more frustrated, Darren, is beyond all that of what you just mentioned, all those being great points is um, none of this seems like it's going to get solved, that there's going to be any change in the future. I mean, they even put this incentive adding you know, rewards of sorts to the Rooney Rule this year, and that hasn't made any impact at all whatsoever. I mean, we're, we're seeing that um, you know that, that there's just no sign of progress, no sign of change, and, and that that infuriates me, man. Yeah, I mean, and look, even if Eric Bieniemy, you know, were to leave, uh, and let, let's let's just say for the sake of this discussion, he goes down and takes a Houston job, you know, my look, my 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 thing would be right after that. I want to know who the hell the Chiefs are interviewing uh, to uh, to to promote this because. You know, back here in Kansas City, everybody's trying to pump this guy of Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach, as though he's some he's some new hot commodity or something. I'm like, he ain't calling no damn plays. He's just a quarterback's coach. But you all are trying to, you know, but the media, you know, they're, they're trying to fall into this whole thing about him being some, some new boy wonder. So I can see a scenario where the Chiefs try to put him in, but then, you know, but then I have to be the one to fall on the sword because I have to ask the Chiefs who were the, you know, who did you who what 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 minority did you interview for that position? And I'm not just gonna get with well, we interview someone. No, 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 because their names need to be in the pipeline. Uh, you know, saying so 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 if they did interview, then you know, then their name needs to be out there so other teams can know who they are. You know, well, and it's not just a coach's issue either. We're not seeing black GMs. I mean, how's a guy like Lewis Riddick not have a GM job by now? Well, see, and that's and that's the thing, and see, and that's the thing about situation Houston because they hired a firm, they hired a firm to do the search, and the two people that they came down to as finalists were both minorities, Lewis Riddick and someone else. I mean, they were two two black guys, and and, and Deshaun Watson wanted, you know, his choice to be GM was Lewis Riddick. His choice to be his new head coach was Eric Bieniemy. The owner just went in a totally different direction. Hire somebody out of New England, what, six years, $30, $35 million? So let's just say for sake of argument, you could have got Lewis Riddick. You know they would have underpaid him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so that's, a, you know, compared to what they paying this cat out of New England. So, and, and, and mind you now, the last person you just brought in from New England was, you know, was your head coach who you promoted, who you promoted to GM. Like, why are, you, why are you steady getting everybody from New England? All right. Yeah, and we've seen, other than Brian Flores, of all people, we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, these New England assistants don't tend to have success uh, when it comes to being other head coaches or getting GM jobs of sorts. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. But, 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 but Flores only got the position because why? You had, you, had a, you, you had a GM that looks just like him mm-hmm. that took a chance on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darren, we got a little bit of time left, so I, I just got to ask you very briefly. I know we've talked football and Chiefs this whole time, but just real quick, what is going on with KU right now, man? I mean, this, this team uh, is, is a hot mess right now. Uh, what, what, what's going on with that that squad in Lawrence there? But I couldn't, can, I couldn't tell you, man. They they've been denying my credentials to cover me ever since they brought fans back out there. So I couldn't tell you. This is a I mean, to be honest, they just turned the thoroughbreds. I mean, they don't have the horses. They're just, you know, they're just not as good as as the teams that they've had the last few years that, you know, we've been out covering them. I, mean, look, I think COVID obviously has a lot to do with it, you know, because of practice and, 
and what you're able to do coaching wise. But I mean, but when you when you see them out there on the court, I mean they're just they're just not as good as, as some of the players. I mean, look, I, I literally was watching the Baylor game. It was great to sit down and watch the Baylor game, and I was just thinking to myself like, when did Baylor turn around and become better than KU? I mean, and seriously, because Baylor was doing what Kansas does to people. I mean, exactly. That made no sense. Oh, so that, so that, so so that, that crossed my mind. You know, before the game even tipped, I was like, "Damn, when did Baylor get to just be that good?" You know, to where it's like Gonzaga, Baylor, like what? You know, like KU was a was the you know was undefeated national champion last year. That didn't happen, you know, because of COVID. So I'm like. Where did where did it go wrong for them? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question, Darren. We're out of time. Uh, before we let you go, tell people where they can uh, follow you and find you, and and uh, we all know the ship is uh, going to make its way to Tampa. Whether the Chiefs are there or not, you'll be there. That is true. Um, you can catch me uh, Monday through Fridays on ESPN Kansas City, three to four p.m. Central. Uh, you can catch me on uh, KOKC Fox Sports Radio. And Parsons, uh, 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings and 8 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, I'll be doing a three-hour Chiefs Red Zone special uh, Saturday night, um, this Saturday night from 8 to 11 p.m. on Sports Radio HNWHB. And, of course, you can find me across the social media platforms at Darren Smith WHB. Awesome stuff. Darren, always appreciate talking to you, man. You always bring the heat. I love it, man. We'll uh, talk again soon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, It's a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em, our picks against the spread. And we're also going to open up a new segment of sorts, too. We love to have Coach Bo on every single week that uh, with the picks going away, we still wanted to talk football with Bo each and every week on this show. So while we still do the picks, we're also going to start a new segment, uh, which is going to be Coach Bo's football fix, where we're just going to talk about a number of topics going on in football, whether it's college or the National Football League. We'll tackle them all with uh, Coach Bo as he joins us for this segment now, each and every week here on the Thursday edition of the Jones Report. So, Bo, thanks for joining us as always, man. Uh, off the top, what's going on this week at O'Connor Advisory Group? Hey, Jonesy, thanks you for having me on this week. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy this. Um, hey, so uh, it's first of the year still. It's January. It's one of the busiest months of the year for us, but we still have time to meet with people. We still want to chat with you. Uh, we are still doing, we are just launched. Uh, we just did week three of our financial goals uh, website, on our website or on our Facebook page, our financial goals calls. Uh, we're doing those Tuesday evenings, 6.30. You can catch the link, uh, the Zoom link on our Facebook page, O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. And uh, I'm actually going to go back this next couple days and do uh, calls one, two, and three again. We're going to pick a day, most likely Thursday, and do a lunchtime version starting probably next week. So we'll be, we're going to go back to week one. And so people who missed the first couple, we're going to go back and do that again. Uh, I've got a lot of great feedback. It's not salesy material. It's just good kind of best practices for getting, for getting your money right in 2021. As well as we want to be a part of that and help you. And uh, that's a great way to learn something. Those calls are about 15 minutes. And I open it up for questions at the end and, uh, we got some great, great feedback these first few weeks, and uh, 
I just think it's a really great opportunity to get to young or old, whoever you are, if you've got questions or just want somebody to be your counselor, if you will, financially, I'm willing to do it. It doesn't cost anything. Give us a shout. <laughs> Absolutely. Check out Bo at O'ConnorAdvisorygroup.com. That's O-A-G-K-S dot com. Also by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com. Um, Bo, let's go over these games here. Only two games to pick this week, as we mentioned, with the conference championship games. And uh, here's how they stack up. The Bills and Chiefs AFC championship game in Kansas City. Chiefs are a three-point favorite. The NFC championship game, the Bucks versus the Packers in Green Bay. The Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Thomas Bridges, who's here with me, he leads the standings. Two games above Bo and I at 97, 76, and 6. Bo is at 97, 78, and 6. I'm also at that same record. And then way back is uh, our guy, TJ Reeves. Uh, but hey, he, he could care less. His Bucks are in the NFC Championship game. He gets to cover it. So, lucky dog, he's going to be up in Green Bay and uh, he's going to take a 78, uh, 97, and 6 record with him. That feels like the uh, Bucks record the last several years <laughs> uh, overall before this season. But uh, so that's the circumstance. A two game lead for Tom going into the pick'em this week. And so last week, uh, Bo and I, we each went three and one. We gained a game on Tom, and uh, Tom is sitting at two and two, trying to protect that two-game lead with three games to go. And so what we've done to make this interesting is Tom is going to pick his games first, and then Bo and I will follow suit and see if we want to do things differently. So, uh, guys, let's go ahead and get started with the AFC Championship game. Tom, we'll start with you, the Bills and the Chiefs, this game at Arrowhead. The Chiefs a three-point favorite. The Bills last week easily covered in their win against the Ravens. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they got the win, but with Patrick Mahomes going down, the missed field goal, an extra point by Butker, they did not cover last week, and uh, they're a three-point favorite. Tom, what say you as far as the Chiefs is a three-point favorite in the AFC title game at home? You know what I was thinking, Jones, before I make my pick here? I think if TJ comes on next year, I think – when we get to the playoffs, he gets to go to all these cool places if the Bucks are in it again. I think the leader should really just – I think he should give me his cred and, and I'll go I'll go to Lambeau this week and, and call the game. Right. Uh, since I'm, you know, so far ahead and all. Um, that being said, is Mahomes going to play this week or no? It looks like that he is going to play. That's what – I don't, I don't see them holding him out. Right. Now, I, think he's I highly doubt he's going to be 100%, but it does look like he will play. It appears to be he's recovering from the concussion, has a bit of a neck problem, and then the turf toe, he's not over either. You know what? Uh, give me the Chiefs. Three points isn't a whole, whole lot. I mean, if you think about it this way, too, that 10 was a lot. I'll give credit to Bo. I, I, I figured you'd both pick the Chiefs, um, not to take credit away from your pick, Bo, because you picked the Browns, but I was thinking 10 was a little bit high, but I did think Kansas City was going to come roll them. Um, and at first, it did look like they were going to roll them until Chad Henney took over. Um, and and Jones still has to go get him a bottle of Henney. He's got himself a haircut, guys. You can't see it because you're <laughs> listening, but Jones got himself a haircut. Now he's got to go get him a bottle of Hennessy um, just in case because 
for whatever reason, if Mahomes does go out, I might even break out the Hennessy. Um, so I will take the Chiefs. You said plus three. Yeah. I I like the Bills. I like what the Bills are doing. But um, if Mahomes wasn't in, I'd take the Bills. But there's no way he's going to stay out. So I will take the Chiefs here. I think it's a seven-point game, maybe closer than that. Um, and if it gets too crazy, I think it might be a push. But I, I don't have any qualms about taking the Chiefs here. And you mentioned a push. Uh, that's not out of the equation at all at three. I, I think you, you have a good point in, in bringing that up uh, there. Bo, uh, I know you've been high on the Bills all season long, and they've played terrific football here this last month and a half or so. You're going to stay with the Bills. You're going to keep riding that wave as they roll into Kansas City this weekend. Okay, let's just let's review a couple things here. One, you mentioned that TJ Reeves has got to go to Green Bay, or he gets to go. Is he really get to go? I mean, that's going to be cold. You, I, you couldn't pay me to go to that game. Oh, um, I would be a great get, game to watch. Make it on but the I'm field. not doing that. Not unless I can be indoors. Have fun. <laughs> I would. I would um, go naked on the field. I can see you doing that. At that point, Tom, you would be naked. Not naked. You'd naked. Be naked. I would, naked. I would do a yeah. snow angel, but naked. I would, I would moon. <laughs> I would, after Green Bay shellacked my Rams, I would moon the crowd the way Randy Moss did, but for real. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I made a promise on my, to myself on picks, and Tyler, I already told you this uh, on a text today. I am not going to pick opposite of Thomas just to try to catch him. I'm going to make the picks as if I don't have a – I'm not two games back and need to win. Out of principle. Now, now I am picking Buffalo. Oh. <laughs> I'm taking Buffalo. I'm taking the three. And here's what's going to really probably not shock you. I think Buffalo is going to win the game. Oh, man. I think this is a really, really good game. I think these are great teams. Two young quarterbacks. The, 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 the idea that we have in the AFC, these two young cats going at it in the, in the, um, on the AFC side, one of them's going to make the Super Bowl, one's not. And then the NFC side in a minute, we'll talk about two old guys. Um, it's really going to shape up to be a good story, no matter what two teams are left after Sunday. I think it's going to be Buffalo. I just, I think top to bottom that Buffalo's a better team right now. They're oh playing my better. Goodness. I think they're playing better. I think they have more momentum. Um, I do think the turf toe thing is going to be hard on Mahomes. I think that the Buffalo defense is pretty good. Buffalo's kind of, I don't think there's really going to be arrowhead magic that's going to hold this for the Chiefs. I don't believe in. Arrowhead magic in the first case. So I, I just think that I think Buffalo's the right mix to beat the Chiefs. Now, I can see the Chiefs winning this game. I'm not saying I think they'll absolutely Buffalo will win. I'm picking Buffalo to win. Um, and I think it's a close game either way. I think it's within a three-point spread one way or the other. I don't think either team is likely to blow the other team out here. Um, yeah. These two teams can go into a shootout, and both teams can do it, and they could both get into a run the football, control the clock game, and both of them could win. So, if you look at like an overall, you're picking this game a hundred times, you know, I'm not saying it's fifty-fifty, but it may be sixty-forty. 
I just think Buffalo's playing better right now. And I like what they're doing. And I'm going to pick Buffalo. I'm going to pick them straight up. So I'll definitely take the points in this case, and I'll make up one of my two games on Thomas here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he picked it out of, print, out of principle. I know that he's not, you know, BSing about that. He, he's serious about picking Buffalo because I've heard about him talk about Buffalo for the last month and a half. So I respect that. Well, I told you guys last week Buffalo was going to kick, whoop that ass, and they did. <laughs> I believe in Buffalo too. I just believe in Kansas City a little bit more. Right. And, but, and- Bo's right about the KC magic. That's the Arrowhead magic doesn't rival. Uh, you know, I, I I say it doesn't rival, but I know the Saints lost. But a, a full-packed Saints stadium is a place that I don't want to play. I'll, I'll even, as a Saints fan, I'll even disagree with you there. They've lost three years in a row in the Dome. I only think there's two places that are hard to win at the playoffs. NFL. Green Bay, because of the cold. Seattle. In Seattle, I know it's it's rainy, doesn't get as cold as Green Bay, but still yeah. an element factor of sorts there in yeah. Seattle too. So, and I don't think that it's it's not a knock on Arrowhead and Chiefs fans no. are great. No, you you have to look fantastic. at the track record. How long did the Chiefs go without yeah. winning a home playoff game? Yeah, and it's the same thing on my Saints right now. I mean, that that magic's gone. There, there is no more of that. Damn about the Chiefs being at home in the AFC Championship yeah. game two years ago. No, he still went in there and won it overtime. With all that being said, to me, this only comes down to one player, and it's Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes was out, I'd take Green Bay. I'd I'd take Green Bay. I'd take Buffalo here. I would if Patrick Mahomes was not playing in this game. But Patrick Mahomes uh, playing in this game, um, he's going to lay it out on the line. Looks like Sammy Watkins is going to be back, and we know what he's capable of when it comes to the playoffs. The Bills are a very good team, but the Chiefs are a better team and they got the best quarterback on the planet. Give me the Chiefs to take care of business at home uh, in that one there. All right, let's go to the NFC title game. The Buccaneers taking on the Packers this game in Green Bay. Green Bay a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bucs uh, got through Washington in the opening round. Then they pulled off the upset in New Orleans last week. The Packers had a bye, and now – uh, coming off a big-time win against the Rams where they dominated. And in large part, Aaron Donald was banged up, so they didn't have to deal with him much. But nonetheless, an impressive win for Green Bay, and they played some really good football all season long. The Bucks did win the previous matchup and won it by a pretty good amount when they met up earlier this year. Tom, uh, what do you think here? Green Bay, three and a half. You going with uh, Tom or are you going with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I'm going with A-Rod here. Um, I saw enough from him. They played the best defense in the league. Granted, Aaron Donald was a little banged up, and they probably didn't get the best Rams defense. And then after the fact, after my team got beat, it got even worse because Brandon Staley got hired by the Chargers in the same city. Snatched him. Yeah, snatched him right under our eyes. Um, So – I got to ride with the Packers all the way. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter who wins in the AFC. Packers are winning the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not even going to make you wait, Nate. All right. So, uh, Tom, going with uh, Green Bay to win and cover three and a half. Bo, who you got here? Okay. So, you said you took the Chiefs because they, quote, have the best quarterback in the world. No, they don't. The yeah, Packers do. have the best quarterback in the world. 
Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. He's the MVP. He's the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. And I'm telling you, I'm 100% on board here with Thomas. I like the Packers. I think three and a half's kind of laughable. I think this game's a touchdown, maybe even more. I don't suspect Tampa's going to go up there and have a good game in Green Bay. Uh, this is probably a seven, eight-point game for me, if I had to guess. I like the Packers here, and uh, I think we're going to see – I think the Packers and either team – I think any of these four teams is a good Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think the Packers against either team from the AFC is a spectacular Super Bowl. Uh, I think that a Rodgers-Mahomes Super Bowl would be – but State Farm's dream will have imagine the commercials we'll have to deal with. Um, but hey, I I like the Packers. I don't think they're the most complete team, but they're playing a lot better as a team here going in the last few weeks. I'm riding the two hot hands. I'm gonna ride the Bills and I'm gonna ride the Packers in this game. And uh I'll put the MVP in his team. Okay. So you're going with the Packers. Um Guys, uh, you know, Bo makes an interesting point about as far as these final four goes. I think you could make a case for any of these four teams. You could make a case anyway that they're capable of winning the Super Bowl. I don't think there's a huge gap between all four of these teams. That uh, I like the Packers to win this game, but I don't like a three and a half point line. Um, I think the Bucs keep it within. This is a one or two point game. And I know that's getting nitpicky when it comes to points. Uh, Green Bay could win by a field goal. I still get the cover. I'm going to roll with Tampa to, uh, to pull that cover and uh, keep it within three and a half uh, there for uh, this NFC championship game. But should be fun. So there you have it. That's our picks for this week. For uh, the O'Connor Advisor Group, picks can pick them. Bo, you're going to stick around here for a bit as uh, we debut Coach Mo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And uh, we want to just talk to you about some of the stuff going on around the National Football League. And one of those things is uh, the coach openings. Let's start out first uh, with uh, this Houston Texans situation. Deshaun Watson uh, wanted Eric Bieniemy. They did an interview over Zoom. And we're, we're not sure if the enemy is going to take that job because he doesn't know if Deshaun's staying or not in uh, that situation. Kind of a mess right now in Houston. Uh, and really, they, they put themselves in their own, this, their own situation here. They, they didn't give a damn about what their quarterback had to, uh, to say about this quarterback and GM search. And now they're kind of paying the price for it. Yeah, I, this is a really, really bad situation if you're the Texans. Um, Listen, I I understand when you own a team or you're the person in charge, if you're the general manager or the president of the team, and you're you're saying I don't want to give a player power, but you give a quarterback power when you give him a contract. When you give him a contract the size of Deshaun Watson's, certainly the size of Patrick Mahomes's, you're going to give them a certain amount of power. Now, the Texans have made some really poor moves in the last year or two. Um, they traded DeAndre Hopkins. They went and got Laramie Tunsil, which I understood because it's a tackle. You couldn't even get any good tackles in front of a young quarterback. But uh, giving up too much as far as what that pick ended up being, the three overall pick, to get him was too much. And then, um, you know, Will Fuller gets hurt this season. That hurts, you know, another weapon taken away from, um, from, from um, Deshaun Watson. 
But then he goes out and has the best season of his career statistically. And I just think that the Texans have got to bite the bullet here. Maybe give him what he wants at this point. If he wants to go, let him go. If he, and I, don't, I don't think they will. I don't think he can go either, honestly. Um, but it's a really bad situation. I feel bad for Eric Bieniemy in a way. And we, I know, Jonesy, you and I kind of texted about this a couple of days ago. I said that, um, unfortunately, in the football coaching musical a game of musical chairs, it looks like Eric Bieniemy might be the guy who's left without a chair to sit down in when the music stops. And um, that might be okay in this case because I don't think that Eric Bieniemy should go coach the Houston Texans right now. Not unless he's got or a commitment. No Sean Watson wants to be with him. And at the same time, they have zero plan on what to do with that team. That team doesn't have a first-round pick. Uh, no real viable candidates to be, um, you know, other than Watson. You know, their biggest name and their biggest drawing card outside their quarterback is J.J. Watt, who is likely to be a, cap, uh, a casualty of the cap uh, with one year left on his deal and a zero um, – zero dollar amount of dead money. Deshaun Watson's not going to get traded. I don't think the Texans can do it. And it goes all goes back to the dollars, the salary cap dollars. You know, I'm a geek and I play around with that a little bit. And even a post June one trade puts a shade under 20 million in dead money on the Texans. And there's just no way to, to, to say we'll take that it's not a matter of dollars and cents of paying the 20 million it's just that when you've only got a salary cap of 178 you can't commit 20 million of it to a player who's not there right and so with cap bonuses and roster bonuses and everything else they just can't afford to trade him the only way you can is if you get a monster offer that sort of thing. I'm absolute monster offer. I don't see that happening. I think that we're going to see Eric Bieniemy uh, back with the Chiefs next season for another year as an OC. I think it's too bad. I think the Texans are in real trouble because they're going to end up with a, I don't want to say second or third flight coach, but it's certainly not going to be the first guy they wanted, the second guy they wanted. And it goes all the way back to president of that team and the ownership of that team and how poorly they're running the franchise right now. Yeah. Of the coaches that have been hired, who we've seen so far, I know you don't like the Urban Meyer hire to uh, Jacksonville at all. Um, tell me, wh- what do you like and what do you don't like? Who do you think's made the best hire at this point? Okay, you're going to have to walk me through some of these hires real quick. Um, Urban Meyer, I don't like. I don't like the Urban Meyer hire because I think it's just the Khan family trying to reach out and get a big-name coach who has never developed a quarterback um, and now he's going to try to develop Trevor Lawrence. He wants to be there because he's going to get paid and he gets to work with Trevor Lawrence. Um, he'll be gone just as quickly in a couple of years when he gets sick again. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big fan of his in the first place. I think it's a terrible idea for Jacksonville, but I'm also not a, fam- a, a fan of the Khan family. So you know what? They kind of deserve one another. Let's watch them be one in 15 again next season. (laughs) Here's some of the others. You got uh, Brandon Staley going to the Chargers. He's the uh, Rams defensive coordinator. Robert Sala, the Niners defensive coordinator, who's part of their Super Bowl run last year. He goes to the Jets. 
Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans. He takes the Atlanta job. And uh, those are the uh, hirings uh, so far to this point. So uh, that's what we have right now. I like the Sala hire. I think it's a really good one. I think the Jets have done something there. Uh, but you say that, and then you see what the Jets do as an organization. So it's really hard to know, especially with coordinators becoming head coaches, who has sort of the magic elixir of being able to separate themselves from their play calling abilities to now being the administrator of a team. Those are two different skill sets. Um, the big example I like to bring up is Thomas has seen the Rams with McVay. You know, the smartest thing that Sean McVay did when he got that job at being so young was he went and got Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator and kind of be a head coach mentor to him. Um, I think some of these young coaches need to partner up with someone like that. So I think I'll, I'll hold a lot of my uh, thoughts on, because I really don't have a great idea yet until I see some of the staffs. But with young coaches, that's what I would look for. If you're an under 45 coach, especially if you're an under 40 coach and you're one of these hot coordinators, I want to see who they make coordinators. Mm -hmm. And I want to see if they will step away from the play calling and the game planning to be the head coach. A head coach is an administrator in many ways at that level and not the guy who's the play caller. Yeah. Uh, and that's the big deal. And I think that's what you need to see. These young guys can do that. If they can get DCs, if, a, if it's an offensive-minded guy and he gets a DC who's an older, well-respected guy who can bring that respect from the NFL guys in the locker room immediately, that's going to register for them. That's what Sean McVay did. Um, Wade Phillips coming out of retirement. You speak of old. Yeah. Hey, old Wade Phillips DC. said this week he wants to come out of retirement. He wants to coach. A young coach should jump on him as soon as possible. And the they reason should. being is that every room he walks into with NFL players, everyone knows who he is and everyone respects him. Yeah. Yeah. He commands respect because yeah. he's been there. I agree. Yeah, and that's what you have to do is you have to find that one OG. For years, the Steelers had that with Dick LeBeau. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's guys like that that they just command the room and everybody doesn't know if you're a 23-year-old rookie or 22-year-old rookie or you're 31 on your second or third contract. You know who that guy is. You respect him. You've heard of him. You know what he brings to the table. Yeah. And, well, I mean, look at that Rams team with Wade Phillips. He had Aqib yeah. Tlaib and Marcus Peters on the same team. And if you and they were fine. I just saw um, Wade Phillips was on Akeem Talib's podcast. Wow, Akeem Talib has a podcast. Oh, it's incredible! Oh. Yes. Oh, incredible! Oh my gosh! Oh yeah. Uh huh. When we get offline, I'll tell you all about it. Um, so Akeem is first off incredible at, at night at looking at football, but you can see the video parts of Akeem Talib talking to uh, Wade Phillips and the respect he has for Wade Phillips that Tlaib had. It's just those kind of things you'll see. These young guys who respect these old guys and to get them in there, that's going to be important to young coaches. Yeah. Uh, Tom, uh, real quick, uh, 30 seconds. Uh, what coaches did you like? What coaches did have you not liked that have been hired? <laughs> um, I didn't like the Chargers still in Brandon Staley because the Rams really had a good thing going there and it was really refreshing after Wade Phillips. No disrespect to him, but uh, McVeigh got what he needed out of him. Um, we'll see about the Urban Meyer hiring. I did like what the Jets did. 
um, taking 49ers guy. and, Sala. and Yeah, I like yeah. that. That's my favorite hire at this point. Yeah, it's got to be the best so far. Which is crazy to think the Jets, of all people, look like they've made the best hire. But kudos to them for nonetheless. We'll see how they screw it up this time. We got just a couple more minutes left, Bo. So uh, I want to ask you, it sounds like we've heard a couple retirements. Uh, Philip Rivers announced today. Jay Glazer broke that news about Drew Brees, but Drew Brees came back and said he hasn't made a decision yet. Wild to think that Philip Rivers was actually drafted to be Brees' replacement, and they might go out at the same time, actually. But nonetheless, uh, I mean, we're, we're looking at a first-bout Hall of Famer in, uh, in Drew Brees, a great career. I'm sure uh, you as a Saints fan appreciate it. But uh, with, with Philip Rivers, good career, but I, I don't necessarily think he was Hall of Fame worthy, though. Rivers is on that line. I'll talk about Rivers first. Uh, he's on that line for me. You know, statistically, he's there. Statistically, he's com- comparable to many of the guys in the in the Hall of Fame. Um, I've never been a big fan, more of a, what I perceive as an attitude. I don't have really any more backing than what I've seen of him yelling at other players in the field, which is, could also be the heat of the moment. And so I, I can understand where I may be wrong there. Um, you know, he's had a great career. You know, you wish for a player that talented to be able to finish one off and get a Super Bowl. But um, I don't feel real bad that he didn't get one because, again, I'm not a, the biggest fan of his. But I think I think that Philip Rivers might get in the Hall of Fame. I think that he's certainly got numbers that show he could. Now, you know, with the, the Drew Brees thing, so I'm a Saints fan, and I have been all my life. And Drew Brees, I don't really know how to explain it to people who aren't from New Orleans. Um if you imagine if you're from the KC area and you are listening to this, if you're from the KC area, think about the reverence in which Kansas city holds George Brett above and beyond everybody, even Patrick Mahomes, George Brett is number one. I mean, he's by right. a rocket. That's what Drew Brees is in new Orleans now. And he's done it while he's still in his career. Um, the timing of him coming of him and Sean Payton and, you know, it was the year after Katrina and uh, those two guys came in and that team was supposed to move. And to understand what the Saints mean in New Orleans is a really difficult thing to explain. It's different than almost every team in every city. I guess Green Bay would be similar. You know, that one franchise in your city. Um, and it just it's it's life there in many ways, and that is the team that you root for, and it's the team that everyone lives and dies with every week. And they were so bad for so long. Um, you know, in the late '80s, we had a couple of great seasons, and we happened to play the 49ers during the Montana Rice years, and you know, we just didn't have a quarterback. I mean, we had this great defense, but Bobby Abair quarterback, and Bobby Abair is loved in New Orleans, but Drew Brees is a whole different animal. And the reverence in which Drew Brees is held, um, it's – I can't even think of a really good term for it. It's just a, a much higher level. Now, I'll say this. I am a Saints fan, and I'm a huge fan of Drew Brees. And I'll always, as most Saints feel, he kind of saved the franchise. And in many ways, Drew Brees and Sean Payton have saved the city. There would be no Saints in New Orleans without those two guys. Right. And – really without Drew Brees. They'd be in San Antonio Antonio right now. They'd be in San Antonio right now. That's what their owner wanted to do. They wanted to move the team to San Antonio. And um, Drew Brees and Sean Payton, and they had Reggie Bush for a couple of, for those first few years when he was with them. They were sort of this package. And it was, 
this fantastic way of watching football and it was exciting and it brought a certain amount of, it brought everybody in this city together. So I tell the story real quick, a sidebar here. I was at the first home game after Hurricane Katrina. It was a Monday night game. You guys have probably seen the, the most famous part of it is the blocked, the blocked punt. Mm-hmm. Steve Gleason blocks the punt and, and the Saints roll the Falcons in that game. The best part, the m- biggest memory for me is not the winning of the game. It's not Steve Gleason. It's not even Drew Brees. It was, I'm walking around, I go to my seat, and I'm way up in the upper deck. And I was seeing people who were season ticket holders for generations. And they were looking at each other and they were hugging and they were, you know, giving to the kisses and the cugs and they hadn't seen each other in a year or a year and a half or two years. And they didn't know if the person that had the seats behind them or in front of them, or they didn't know if people were even alive. And now this moment comes, the saints are back. The city's back. Yeah. And Drew Brees played such a big role in that. And he became the centerpiece to that team, that franchise and that city. And as a Saints fan, that cannot be overstated. Um, he is not one of the greatest four or five quarterbacks of all time. He just is. I mean, he's got gouty numbers, 80,000 career passing yards. Look, we could sit here and argue he ain't in the top five quarterbacks of all time. And I ain't no bigger fan of his in this, on this podcast than I am right now. But what I'll say is he might have more meaning to that franchise than any player has ever had to a franchise. And I'm really happy to have been a fan of the Saints, to be a part of that Drew Brees thing for so many years. I'm sorry to see an end, but it is time. Yeah, This season's been rough to watch. And I kind of equated it Sunday night. I think I might even text you this, Josie. I said, this must have been what it was like in the 70s watching Willie Mays as a Met. Mm-hmm. Or watching um, Joe Namath as a Ram. Johnny Unitas as a Charger. This is what it must have been like. Unfortunately, he was still wearing the Saints uniform. And I'm happy that he got to go out his way. If anyone earned it in the fact that of what they've done for a franchise, Drew Brees earned the right to say when it's time to go, but he's making the right decision. If it's now, yeah. it doesn't help the franchise. If he comes back, I don't think he's coming back either. Just everything I've seen. I don't think he's coming back. I think he knows. And on the football, all part of it. I will say this. I said this to somebody this week. I think that this season is the best job Sean Payton has done as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Because not only has that team got as far as they could get to, but he had to plan that team around a quarterback who's 41 years old and whose skills had very much diminished. And he had to game plan around that as well. And so I, my hat's off to Sean Payton on that piece. Drew Brees, is just an iconic figure now in the NFL. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, well-deserved. And uh, it's a shame that he only got the one Super Bowl. But at the same time, I can remember that day as vividly as it was yesterday. And that was the completion 
of we're back, not just the Saints, but the city mm-hmm. and the region. Yeah. And that's a big deal. So well, I'll say this to your Chiefs fans who are listening to watch it, listen to this yeah. right now. You got Patrick Mahomes, enjoy him. Don't take it, don't take it for granted. And don't think he's gonna win your Super Bowl every year. But when he does win it and he has won one, enjoy what you got because it doesn't last forever and eventually you don't have it anymore. Yeah. That's that's outstanding. Those are uh, great points and straight from the heart too about uh, Drew Brees. I'll, I'll end on this as we we wrap up here. Something to think about with Drew Brees. Uh, you mentioned where he stands legacy-wise. We're talking top 10, top 15 quarterback. I'm with you, not top five, but certainly one of the greats ever. But uh, I think about the Saints now. You know, we we we, we heard so many people, this show included, uh, criticize the Packers for wasting a first-round pick on – uh, uh, the the uh, the Utah State quarterback um, that they that they picked Jordan Love Jordan Love thank you um, and and I stand by that I I thought it was awful that you know Aaron Rodgers needs weapons and you're wasting a first round pick on a quarterback but on the complete opposite end of the spectrum you have a New Orleans Saints team who you know. As of right now, their quarterback next year would be either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. They don't have that young quarterback that they've drafted, that they've groomed, that they've put behind Drew Brees in the wings to just take over. And maybe they draft somebody, but they didn't sit anybody behind Drew Brees uh, and find that guy. It, looking at this Saints team, there's so many weapons there. I, I'm concerned about how long it takes for them, how much of a step they're going to have to take back of not having that young quarterback ready to go. I, I like that they let Breeze go out on his own terms and everything here, but Bo, what say you? Wouldn't have the, the Saints been better off to, to have that young quarterback uh, ready to if, if they would have found somebody? Do, do they have to use a first-round pick on a quarterback? What say you as far as, as, far as, you, as, far as replacing uh, Breeze goes? The short answer to your question is, should they have had somebody? Yes, they should have. Um, I think that the last two years, they've really wanted that guy to be Taysom Hill. I really think that and everything we've heard from every announcer that's talked to him, everything you've read, Sean Payton supposedly thinks Taysom Hill can be a quarterback in the NFL. He's 31 years old. Um, you know, he got in there this season. It was not particularly good. No. Um, you know, again, it's, it's part of the thing about the Sean Payton thing is he game planned around a really bad quarterback position this year. Um, I tend to think what's going to happen. The Saints are also in a salary cap nightmare. They are 96 million over the cap right now. They are the worst in the NFL. Uh, Drew will be 30 of that. They'll bring the number down. And, but they are a win now team without a quarterback. And I don't, there either has to be one of two ways to go now. Either you have to cut bait with a lot of guys and not be a win now team, or you have to go find a quarterback who is the win now quarterback. Now I do have a prediction of what I think will happen. I think we're going to see Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston next season. I think they're going to keep both of them. Taysom Hill's under contract. I think they're paying him 16 million bucks. Ain't nobody taking that off the salary cap. So that's going to be someone who has to stay. 
Uh, they can probably get Jameis Winston in some sort of deal where you defer some money for a couple of years, make him the promise of being the guy. If I had to choose as a Saints fan, I would take Jameis Winston as my starting quarterback right now. I just I know that there's nobody else they can go get. And it's a win now team. Everything around them is built to win right now. You've given the money to Kamar, you've given the money to Michael Thomas, Cam Jordan, the defense, Demario Davis. That team is built to win right now. It's not built to win in 2023. So there has to be a way to fill that void. The cheapest way and the way they're going to have to do it is get is bring back the two quarterbacks they have, do the run-pass deal with Jameis Winston being the guy who's the passer, and a change of pace with Taysom Hill from time to time. And Sean Payton's going to have to be the creative genius. That's where I think the Saints will go. Now, there'll be talk in the offseason, and the biggest thing I think we'll hear, I already heard it once, is – can the Saints be the team that trades for Deshaun Watson? The Deshaun Watson thing's not happening. There's, there's just no way to get him there, and especially in the Saints' salary cap situation. So yeah. I just think that I, I, they're a team that's in a lot of trouble salary cap-wise. A lot of decisions have to be made. And um, I think the Saints know they're moving on from Drew Brees. And I think that it's going to end up being that combo of Jameis Winston and um, Taysom Hill. If it's not Jameis Winston, I could see them taking a one-year flyer on Cam Newton. Okay. I could see uh, that. Real quick. Uh, yeah, it has to be a, a win-now guy, though. We mentioned Phillip Rivers and the Colts. What about replacing Phillip Rivers? That's a team similar to the Saints in win-now mode. Got a loaded defense. They got a couple of good pieces offensively. Now they're going to have, uh, what, $25 million off the books now with Phillip Rivers not there. What do the Colts do as far as their quarterback situation goes? Andrew Luck's coming back. <laughs> they wish. I will tell you that if I'm the owner of the – if I'm Jim Irsay, that – has to be done. That is the fault. I I just read this past week. Jim Irsay is close to Andrew Luck. If Andrew Luck would even consider the idea of coming back after two seasons off, you take it. Brett Favre coming out of retirement. <laughs> what what is more likely to happen? Andrew Luck coming back or Brett Favre? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah. Andrew okay. Luck. I figured. It I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. On Andrew Locke, I don't think it'll happen, but I don't think it's out it. of the realm of possibility. I don't know if he's football oh, ready. We haven't seen the guy since he hung it up. He's been in uh, incognito. He's been hiding in like Fort Hood yeah. or something. He's yeah, been hanging he, out you know, with Tim he, Duncan. <laughs> Damn it, Thomas. I almost spit my water all over my computer. <laughs> just, just out of sight, out of mind. He's, he's, He's probably day trading with uh, Dave Portnoy. Yeah, he, he's making some money. I, you know, he's already pretty wealthy. I mean, Luck is. And, you know, he's a guy that's not hungry for the spotlight. You know, he hasn't done a lot since he's left. We really don't know what much he's been doing. Yeah. Um, I did read an article this past weekend that he has been talking to Jim Mercer, that they're friends. And it's, it's a lot of that I would assume it's just Jim Mercer saying, okay, I want you to come back at some point. It, 
But re- realistically, he's driving around Dallas like Mark Cuban did with uh, DeAndre Jordan. Hey, if I'm Jim Irsay, I give Andrew Luck anything he wants to come back. I give him a portion of the franchise if he wanted to. Yeah, he's in Re- Tulsa working for Airco Solutions. There we go. Doing commercials. Uh, just <laughs> Jason Wide route. So realistically, after yes. Andrew Luck tells yeah. you no and says I'm going to go back to doing, you know, yeah. talking like a weirdo with a Stanford grad yeah. uh, degree, so I'm sitting- what do you do then? I know. So I'm looking at this right now. I got the Colts salary cap up here on OverTheCap.com, and they are. 65 million under. They can get any damn quarterback they want. I mean, legitimately, they could afford any available quarterback. So Go now for Deshaun. it comes to, you know, are they a team that could trade for a Matt Stafford or a Matt Ryan or, um, you know, some veteran QB? Whatever they're going to do, it's going to be a win now thing. Similar to what the Saints are going to have to do. And again, the Colts are built. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago. I made the comment of if the Colts have Andrew Luck, they're one of the best two or three teams in the AFC. If they can improve that position, then they are a, they are a Super Bowl contender. Um, you know, I don't know who that will be right now. I you know, like- is that a team that can make a trade for Dak Prescott? Right. I don't think that's crazy. Um, I mean uh, – you know, it's not in it's not in division. It's not in conference. You know, are they a team that could put together assets to trade for maybe to move to get a Justin Field? I, I, I don't think that's likely either, just because of the youth of the quarterback. But Stafford, I, I, I think that's going to be an interesting replacement. Now you bring up Matt Stafford. I've always liked Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, to me, if his career would have been just on a on a decent playoff team. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, the Lions have screwed him over. Um, put him in the Colts with that roster there. I don't think going to the AFC Championships out of the question. Okay, so I've got Matt. I first off agree. Matt Stafford is way grossly underrated. Yes, grossly underrated. Um, let's see here. I'm on. I'm pulling up his situation here i don't think it's a likely trade situation with matt stafford again you look at that dead money piece but if the lions are ready to move on and you could get some pieces for him that's a really good place to go for matt stafford um it looks like i'm looking at the with the yeah i mean he's got a lot of prorated bonus roster bonus workout bonus that that's the stuff that counts against the cap if you're gone right and so to after the 2021 season he has basically none i mean it's about six million spread over the next two years he's only got those two more years under his contract this year coming up 2020 2022 2021 and 2022 i'm sorry um but so i think that it'll be interesting i think that he's a I think that Matt Stafford's a more doable trade than Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, um, um, whom else is people are out there, Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. I think that Stafford's a more doable cap situation than the others are. Yeah. Um, and, um, and you mentioned Sam Darnold. I, I think Sam Darnold's just a, a good quarterback in a bad situation. Maybe Robert Sala figures things out with him. I mean, that's uh, – 
something that we'll uh, wait and see. Bo, we're out of time. Uh, before we let you go, uh, tell people where they can find you. Obviously, you got to check out uh, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, OAGKS.com. Uh, but uh, where can they get more information, get involved in the Zoom calls and all the stuff you're doing, man? And you can check us out at OAGKS.com. I'm sorry. Um, the Zoom calls, our link every week is our Facebook page. That's the best place to get it. So O'Connor Advisory Group. O'Connor is O apostrophe C-O-N-N-O-R. Uh, check us out. Like the page. Like us. Review us. Give us five stars. If you give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe you're a hater. Um, so I'm still in that from Bonnie Jones. Um, <laughs> but hey, uh, yeah, check us out on there. We're going to have those still Tuesday nights, 630 Central. I'm going to have the replays going probably on Thursdays at noon. Um, I will have more on that next week when I'm on. Um, and uh, thanks for having me on again. I really enjoy, I enjoy this segment every week. So thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, and we're looking forward to talking to you throughout the offseason for this uh, new feature uh, that we'll uh, do, uh, Coach Bo's football fix uh, throughout the offseason uh, here on uh, the Jones Report. That is uh, Coach Bo joining us uh, here on uh, the Jones Report. We'll talk to him next week. There you have it. Coach Bo joining us here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. A few more things before we get out of here on today's show. And uh, I, I do want to touch briefly on the NBA, what's going on with uh, the uh, Nets. We talked last week about the trade going through to send James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets. And then a couple of days later in his debut, it looked like that he lost about 50 pounds in three days. I want that diet plan. Uh, James, you got to share it with me. I got to figure that out, man. Um, Cause that was phenomenal. How we just lost all that weight when he got to Brooklyn. But then uh, this week, Kyrie Irving, who you had to put him on a milk carton. He was MIA. People were trying to figure out where he was at. All of a sudden he was back and uh, in play with, with Brooklyn. So now, uh, we wondered if Kyrie had played his last game with the Nets. You know, Stephen A. was suggesting that he should retire and such. But now the band is together, and it's happening. It's uh, it's going on. These three there in Brooklyn, and uh, so Tom, I, I feel like, and I know these three are all talented players, and I'm sure they're going to have some moments where this goes well and such, but whether it's this season or next season, the year following, I, I don't know when it will be. It, it feels like this is only a short-term thing, right? doesn't seem like this is all going to blow up in their faces eventually at some point. Not a matter of if, but when. Yeah, it has to be. And, and I don't know if it's going to be Kyrie that's going to bounce out or what's going to happen. I mean, KD has looked phenomenal after, you know, his injury and, Harden has, you know, went to Brooklyn and looked like he shed 50 pounds on the flight headed to Brooklyn. I don't know how he did it, but he needs to release his secret. Um, but that being said, it's just like, well, I don't know how long it's going to last. They did lose to Cleveland on Wednesday night. So, uh, and I know they can't win every game, and I know there's going to be some growing pains if they're even around long enough for some growing pains. But, that being said, I mean, you know, if, you know the way Brooklyn is right now. Do you know? I mean, hell, go ahead, try to win now. It's not like 
the Nets, even when they were in New Jersey, it's not like it's a storied franchise. It's not like they have a reputation to ruin. I mean, uh, you know, sure, Jason Kidd, you know, had him play and get ran out of the building by the Spurs in the in the O three finals. But uh, I mean, what do you do? Um, I mean, if you have that ability, take it. I, I mean, I, I blame them for the super team and and trying to ruin the clarity. But at the same time, if you're a Nets fan, you're ecstatic. Oh, you have to be. Uh, this is the first time the Nets have been relevant in forever. Ever. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about basketball in New York right now, um, the Knicks have been so bad for so long. Um you know, to, to be a part of that conversation. And, and I think, too, Tom, that when the Nets moved to Brooklyn, they were looking to establish a new identity, kind of a new culture of sorts that blended in with Brooklyn. You know, they didn't take on the New York name. They took on the Brooklyn name. They had Jay-Z involved. They had the Barclays Center, which is, you know, it's not MSG. It's uh, you know, it, it feels like a fine arts center of some sorts. You know, it's one of the nicest arenas in the world and just a totally different vibe than you get from MSG. And, you know, the, the jerseys that they put together, the black and white schemes and such, um, you know, they bring in Steve Nash as their head coach here. I mean, this is a franchise that's trying to find out, figure out who they are. And, uh, you know, did I think – when they brought in Kyrie and Kevin Durant, remember everybody thought, you know, the talk was those guys were going to pair up with the Knicks. And instead they go to the team that has been, um, you know, the, the second team there, not necessarily in, in the quality, but more so the talk of the town. Everybody talks more about the Knicks than they do the Nets um, history wise, but to go to that team to do their own thing, this is really establishing identity that really wasn't there before with this group, whether it works or not, this is going to be what this franchise is going to be known for, uh, for a long time. Yeah, it is. And, you know, they had traded and got the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce experiment that didn't work out. I mean, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. That's still to be found out. Um, I think it could work. I mean, it puts them in immediate contention. Um, the way that I saw KD and Harden play the other night told me that they won't be fooled again. Um, I mean, and and you know what hurt? You know, just let me give you some rascal flats. If you were better at, or if I was better at, you know, ad libbing the show when we edit it, you could put in what hurts the most, rascal flats, over the tune of this. You see. Harden and KD play together and you know obviously Russell's East Coast as well now with the Wizards you think about it if they let Serge walk and they keep Harden what could have been and they even mentioned Oklahoma City and said well we were you know boys when we were in Oklahoma City now we're you know we were young men in Oklahoma City now we're grown men and now look yeah um, and, you know, it, it does have those vibes of Oklahoma City with Kyrie instead of uh, 
Russ in this case. Even Jeff Green is on this team who, if you remember, got drafted with uh, Kevin Durant. They played together, made that transition from Seattle to Oklahoma City. So, yeah, it's got that weird thing going on. And the fact that James Harden, too, um, you know, we didn't know necessarily how he felt about Oklahoma City when he got traded and such, you know, as far as his teammates went. But the when you look back, Tom, as far as those Oklahoma City days, the reunions later are a fascinating story. Here we are all these years later, Russ and Harden got together again and it did not work out well, and that relationship got stained. They didn't want to play together again. Then Russ rejoined Scott Brooks with the Wizards as Scott Brooks wanted to reunite with him in a last-ditch effort to save his job in Washington, and now Harden's back with with a Green and uh, uh, you know Kevin Durant in this case. It's weird how ever since these guys have moved on that – in one way or another, we've seen these little mini reunions of sorts of that Oklahoma City team that, that could have been. Yeah, it could have been in there. And now you see these mini reunions and it's just like, oh, if you're an Oklahoma City fan, you're just like, oh, gosh. Like, you know, and, and now Oklahoma City is sitting in a really good spot with all those draft picks, but it's still, man, you know, we, we you know, we start on 2012 – you know, going against that super team heat, um, that heat team. And, and sure, yeah, you lose that bunch of young guys versus LeBron and D-Wade and Bosh and, you know, all those – and Ray Allen and, and just a classic, classic team there. Um, so, whatever, yeah, sure, you lose to them. But then after that, it breaks up. And if it doesn't break up in the next three years, the Thunder were going to get one. Mm-hmm. And as a Spurs fan, part of me glad they didn't because now, whenever the Spurs play Oklahoma City, I can be like, "Well, trophy case is empty." But at the same time, if I put myself in Oklahoma City's shoes, I'm feeling the same way after watching Kawhi go to Toronto for Demar Derozan and win the championship with Danny Green. Um, so I get it a little bit, but what really could have been and and Jones. We, we talked about this when we were, you know, recording this show. We talked about with Bo just different scenarios. We, we mainly talked, you know, off air about what could have been NFL-wise, and we even mentioned NBA. What could have been for the Thunder team is worth a 30 for 30. Uh, I'm not much of a crier. I could uh, count on my fingers how many times in – my adult lifetime, I've probably cried. I would probably be very heartbroken to see some movie of the what if of uh, what could have been with that Thunder team because uh, that's the type of stuff that'll make you lose sleep at night as a Thunder fan. You know, Sam Jones, I'll have to send it to you. Someone on Twitter made a mock thirty for thirty commercial, if you will. I did, and see- they called it thun- they called it Thunder Up Set. Yes, I, I have mm-hmm. seen. That. Yes. It was um, phenomenal. That, that's, that's hard to swallow. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, best of luck to these guys. We'll just see what happens. I think this Nets team will kind of end this talk on this. You know, what can they do? I mean, um, the, the sky's the limit. If they can get on the same page chemistry-wise, and if Steve Nash can be a good coach, which we don't know, 
if they can do those things, they can win the championship. That's their ceiling. They can do that. Um, but I tend to think, you know, all signs point to, especially with the head case Kyrie is, and we've already seen Harden have his issues, how things went in Houston and such like that. Uh, I think it's more likely to blow up than it is to be a success at this point. But I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility. This team can win the title. That's not out of the question at all, Tom. No, it's not. And and we'll have to see how they gel later on. It's, I mean, it's still relatively early in on the season. I mean, we're, what, 15 games in? Yeah. Um, so still relatively early. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how these, you know, how they gel together, if they can, you know, it's all good when you're winning, but when you lose, you know, that's when it starts going downhill. So be interesting to see how they fare this season and, and if, if they lose early on in the playoffs or hell, even if they win it, um, what will happen to this team? This could be a blip and in the NBA history, or this could be the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Very well. Good. We will uh, see. Um, another uh, basketball, no one transition to college basketball um, on the Big 12 front. First off, the uh, March Madness slate was released. And, Tom, we knew that uh, the state of Indiana was going to get to host the entire NCAA tournament due to COVID-19 and uh, trying to create a in-state bubble of sorts. But another interesting development is the tournament schedule of how this is all going to play out. And – um, I like parts of it, others I'm skeptical about, but nonetheless, here's what we're going to see. We're used to seeing the tournament start with the first four, those, you know, whether it's the final 12 seeds or the last 16 seeds, um, you know, play those first four games on, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And the winner of those games move on and play on, uh, on Thursday and Friday in the first round of the tournament. You know, do those games in Dayton. Well, now that's just going to be one day. It's going to be on Thursday, the day we would normally start the tournament. And then from there, we're going to see the first round on uh, Friday, Saturday. And the second round is going to be Sunday and Monday. The first time we've ever seen Monday be a part of the tournament. And then the next weekend, uh, what they're going to do is the Sweet 16 games and Elite 8 games, instead of having games on at the same time like we typically see uh, from those games, what you're going to have is that it's going to be staggered where you don't have to have two games on at once. We get this, They all have their own windows beginning Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday is going to be your Sweet 16. Then Monday and Tuesday, is going to be the Elite Eight games. And then we come back for Final Four Saturday, National Championship on Monday. So they're experimenting with things a bit to try to change up the schedule. I love the idea of the windows where we get to see every game, but I don't know how I feel. It's just tradition that uh, whether I'm working or take off work, whatever it may be, that – I try to be as least productive as I can with my job on Thursday and Friday and watch these games. And now that's just going to be a different viewing habit of some sort. So I'm talking about watching March Madness games on Tuesday. Um, that's different, Tom. Uh, I like the idea of having all their own windows where we don't have to watch 
every game, you know, watch multiple games at the same time when it comes to those Sweet 16 games and such. But it's going to be different. I will say, to add to all this, Tom, is that if you're going to try something, this is the year to try it with this being a different tournament. Um, who knows? We might have cancellations. A team might qualify and then have to drop out the day of the game of some sort. So if you're going to try out things, this is the time to do it. But it will certainly be a different feel to the tournament than we're used to. Oh, yeah. And, and you mentioned it's, you know, this is the time to try it. Uh, of course it is. I mean, it'll be – it's going to be awkward. It's going to be different. At this point, Jones, I, I think, and, you know, a lot of people I feel like think that we're coming to the end of Corona just because of the vaccine, just because it's not 2020. I mean, we're in the same spot, if not worse, than last year when they canceled this tournament. So to even have this um, – you know, I don't, I don't care if they play the whole tournament in one day. I'm just glad we're having it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our viewing habits are going to change. We'll just take anything at this point. I mean, you play these games in Indiana. Um, Tom, I've been to Indiana like once or twice in my life. Sure as hell, never been to West Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, at Purdue's campus. But, I mean, hell, let's go ahead and do it. You know, let's put these games up there, play at Assembly Hall in Indiana, um, yeah, that's the other thing too, with this is I know that it kind of sucks for, uh, you know, a lot of folk, not very many people are going to get to be at the NCAA tournament this year, but you know, that's been the norm for COVID, you know, it's just one thing we've sacrificed, but you know, to still have these games all nationally televised, um, you know, the, these atmospheres, you know, in, in, in Indiana, that is a basketball rich state. Um, you know, there's certain states you associate with a sport. You know, Kansas is a basketball state. North Carolina is a basketball state. Indiana is just as much, even more so than those states are, Kentucky and such. Um, you know, when you look at Indiana with Assembly Hall, Hinkle Fieldhouse, where Butler plays, is going to be a part of this. Uh, if you've seen the movie Hoosiers, that final game they played there was at Hinkle Fieldhouse. And so there's so much history. You're still going to play the national championship final four, the Colts Stadium at Lucas Oil Stadium, Bankers Life Fieldhouse where the Pacers play, great arena there is going to host some big time games. So, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is unique that some of these places with history that in normal circumstances would never get to host NCAA tournament games um, are going to be a part of this. As you mentioned, Tom, I'm just glad we're having it, but I, I um, sure, it'd be cool if that if you picked a basketball heaven like a you know Kansas you know would have I would have preferred that sure, but um, to see these places like Assembly Hall and Hinkle Feldhouse get the tournament, I, I, I'm all for that. I, I love the idea of seeing some uh, going back in the wayback machine of some sorts. Oh yeah, for sure, and and at the same time, you you think if you want to get down to the really nitty gritty of this whole situation. College basketball, and which is great because March Madness is so great. And last year, obviously, we didn't have it. <coughs> Jones, excuse me. <coughs> but if we didn't have that this year, they had to find a way to do it productively and safely. Uh, realistically, we didn't have March Madness two years in a row. It would it would be the death of of a lot of college basketball. Yeah, it would be. Um, it would be so painful for the sport, the revenue. I mean, everything about it. Uh, I mean, one year was very painful. 
Right. It'd be hard to recover if they went two years without this. But nonetheless, I'm glad we're going to have a season and going to have this tournament and make it happen. Um, I will adapt my viewing habits accordingly. We'll try things out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We move on. So um, with that being said, with, with Big 12 basketball, Tom, um, you know, I think that now any chance Kansas had of winning the conference is done. It's over with. Sayonara. Um, I didn't think they were going to win the conference to begin the year anyway. I picked Baylor. Um, but it, that, his, that ship has sailed. Um, so Kansas fans, stop that conversation now. Get it out of your minds. Get it out of your, your, your brains. You know, quit talking about it. Kansas not one in the Big 12 this year. And I know that sounds blasphemous to say, but it's just not happening. Um, you know, the way they got worked by Baylor, that Baylor team is good. Oh, my gosh. They're even better than what I thought. And, you know, Jared Butler is going to be the, the Big 12 player. You know, he or, or uh, Cade Cunningham, one of the two, will be the Big 12 player of the year. Maybe even they are co-players of the year or something like that. Um, but the way he's, he was so good the other night, um, you know, the, the other players they have, Teague and, uh, you know, Vital and, and uh, you know, the, the roster's just loaded. And I think one thing that you have to think about, I think what is worth mentioning with this Baylor team, um, you know, they're, they're going to be right up there with Gonzaga, 1-2 all season long. They're even talking about playing at some point this year. They were supposed to play back in November, but – uh, had a little COVID issue, and they still want to reschedule that game. But one thing I think that we have to do now with Baylor um, is all the Scott Drew slander that he got for so many years has to come to an end. Um, Scott Drew is a heck of a coach. He's done a great job for Baylor to be even better than what they were last year. And last year, they would have been a number one seed that would have competed for the national championship. Um, you know, they were undefeated for a long time last year, but for them to be better than what they were a season ago, to be a top two team again in college basketball, Scott Drew deserves a ton of credit. And, you know, there he I get it that he's got more losses at Allen Field else than Bill Self. I, I I've heard that a thousand times, trust me. Um, but they were consistently building to this point. They have arrived. And, you know, when he took over that program, I think a lot of people forget about this too, Tom, was that that was after Dave Bliss. That was after the murder of one of their own players um, that happened there. It was an awful situation for anybody to, to handle. And here they are. They've arrived. They're a top two team in the country. They can win the national championship. They're as good as anybody. Um, Baylor, uh, you know, I, I, would, I will say on behalf of the rest of the Big 12, uh, it's got to stop. Uh, you deserve respect. Your coach deserves respect because uh, this is Baylor's to lose at this point. It's an impressive job by Scott and what he's done there. Yeah, it is. And and just for those two programs, the being the men's now and, and obviously the sustained success of the women's program there, uh, really something that Baylor should be proud of considering all the shit that's happened in Waco. Um, over the past few years, I mean, to be able to sustain that success with all the negative publicity that Baylor has received. I know uh, you had Chip and Joanna take over that town. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, at uh, I mean, at one point, like you, you gotta you gotta think that you know 
this level of success should be, you know, celebrated. Granted, on everything that's happened at Baylor. Yeah, uh, it should be. Should be recognized and where they've come from, all they've went through. Um, it is uh, worth looking at. And, you know, the race for the Big 12 at this point, the Big 12 standings, as uh, the point we're recording this right now, Baylor's got a one-game lead on uh, Texas. They're sitting at 6-0, 13-0 overall. Uh, Baylor's in great shape. would not shock me if they found a way to go undefeated in conference play. They're that good. Um, but Texas, there's another team. Shaka Smart, he somehow survived past Tom Herman and Charlie Strong, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, but here's Texas now, a top five team in the land, five and one in the Big 12, 11 and two overall. Um, you know, I think Baylor wins the league, but I did not expect to say that Texas would be their biggest challenge. Um, Shaka's done a great job, and he's got some NBA talent there. Um, you know, we, we talked about Scott Drew getting his respect. Um, Shaka Smart, here was a guy, Tom, that was, you know, ridiculed and laughed at and said, oh, you know, he can't do it in the Big 12. You know, he was a one-hit wonder at VCU and, you know, kept his job through throughout all that. Now, here they are. Um, you know, Texas here, they, they, they're not beating Baylor. They're not winning the league. But um, I did not expect – that is my surprise is that Texas is in the discussion that they are, without question, the second-best team in this league. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I would agree. And I believe in a couple of weeks they play OSU and Stillwater. I'm actually looking at tickets right now for that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Shaka Smart, is he the new Bruce Weber? Just does enough every now and then to keep his job? <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, Shaka- I mean, someone's got to take over after Bruce Weber. There's no way that Bruce Weber recover. I mean, there's no way K State at all recovers from shooting the bed against a D three team this season. <laughs> there's no way. None. No way at all. He's uh, done. Yeah, Bruce. Brucey's got to go. I agree. Bruce had a few moments here and there, sure, but yeah, their their best days are behind them there in Manhattan. Um, but nonetheless, Shock has done a good job. If you know, looking at bracketology, and uh, I found this interesting that all the bracketologists maybe they know something we don't, and I hope they're right in this case. Most of the, all the bracketologists folks are still putting Oklahoma State as if they're eligible for the tournament, and I hope that works out. I hope they're ruled eligible because uh, those kids deserve a shot at the tournament. Um, you know, it wasn't their fault what went on with uh, that assistant coach that got put in jail and all that years ago. It didn't, didn't matter. Anyways, um, Oklahoma State, let's say they're tournament eligible. Um, the bracketologists right now are talking about the Big 12 sending about seven teams to the tournament. In West Virginia, if you recall, um, Oscar Shibway, their best player, transferred out and went to Kentucky after uh, Bob Huggins said that, uh, you know, they, they had some outside influences helping make that happen. So um, even with that, 
West Virginia is still in the conversation. Seven teams getting in from the tournament if the tournament started today. Um, that looks good. I, I like that from uh, from the Big 12 to have seven teams a part of the conversation. Hopefully the NCAA does the right thing with Oklahoma State. I'm not counting on it. But um, the Big 10 looks like maybe the best conference with them potentially sending 10 teams. But the Big 12 is holding their own in that 10-team league with potentially sending seven. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, too, when we talk about Oklahoma State and the potential to get in or not get in, and here's the reason I think they will get in. If you remember OU a couple of years ago with Trey Young, they didn't necessarily – I mean, I wouldn't call it – didn't meet the requirements per se, but they were a bubble team, in my opinion, that got just a little bit of favoritism, and that's because they had Trey Young, who everybody wanted to watch. Now that script flips to OSU. We're talking about the number one draft pick out of college. Um, and, and with basketball needing the ratings, college basketball needing those ratings, I think it's kind of a no-brainer to say, well, OSU didn't really do anything too bad. That whole administration from when that happened is gone. Uh, Mike Boyton is creating a, something a little bit special in Stillwater and uh, we kind of need the number one draft pick for the next year to actually play in the tournament that we host. Right. <laughs> I mean, don't tell me it's not based somewhat on TV ratings because oh, of it course. is. Oh, of course. I, I, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. I could very well see that being happening in Oklahoma State getting in uh, that way. Oklahoma is a decent team uh, with the, the talent they got with uh, – uh, you know, the, uh, with, with Austin and Brady and those guys. I mean, they, they got a couple ballers. Um, Oklahoma, though, I don't see them getting past the second round. Um, Kansas, you know, this team is – they got talent, but they're so young. They haven't learned to play together. Jalen Wilson, we were talking about being an All-American candidate just a couple months ago, and he's kind of hit a wall of sorts lately. Um Kansas, when they're playing their best, can be an elite eight team. But right now, they look like a first or second round exit if they're playing like they are now. Um, Jones, you mentioned OU too. I was really hoping, you know, OSU. We talked about OSU too, but you mentioned OU. They were supposed to play, I think, on Friday, this last Friday, and then COVID for whatever reason, something, some COVID happened at OSU and stopped that game from being postponed. I, I think that's maybe has the potential for one of the better Bedlam games in a few years. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've had relevant Bedlam games. And so uh, that'd be great to see with both of them as potentially tournament teams at this point. So uh, there you have it. That's our uh, Big 12 breakdown for this week here on the uh, Jones Report. We got a little bit of time left, so time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where are we going to head out to this time? Jones, we're going to stay here in Oklahoma and uh... – you might have heard of it. Uh, it's really two separate stories, and, and one that I have pulled up, and the other one I just will mention briefly because it ties into this. But I'm not sure if you heard, Jones, but almost a year, oh, a little, I guess a little less than a year ago, we had Tiger King come out and sweep the world. Well, Tiger King is back, and Jones, last May, I went to the zoo in Winniewood, Oklahoma. Well, now they're back in the news um, for two things, and I'll start off with this one. Um, 
article coming from a not so known website, but multiple people have reported it, and this is the one that I saw. So we'll read this one. New owners of the Tiger King Zoo ordered to surrender cubs. And it's not Carol Baskin. It is Jeff Lowe. And so if you watch Tiger King, and if you really haven't, I don't know where you've been, um, met Jeff Lowe when I went down there to Winniewood. Him and his wife, Lauren, um, met them. They were, you know, Jeff portrays kind of an asshole on um, on the show. But in real life, he was actually a de- seemed like a decent person. I didn't even ask him for a picture. He asked if I wanted a picture. Um, and I was like, you know what, Jeff, like, sure, come over here and you're, you know, it was hot then, even in May, South Oklahoma, it was a good 85 degrees and he's wearing a leather Harley jacket and his whole get up. But, uh, (laughs) no, he was, he was, he was, it was 85 degrees and he's wearing it like it was maybe 50 degrees. Um, but needless to say, not so good news for them, Jones, um, Article goes on to say the new owners of Oklahoma's fe- Oklahoma Zoo featured in the hit Netflix documentary Tiger King have been ordered to surrender all tiger cubs and their mothers to the federal government. The case was filed against Jeff and Lauren Lowe, owners of the Greater Winniewood Exotic Animal Park. They're accused of violating the Endangered Species Act and the Animal Welf- Welfare Animal Welfare Act. Sorry. Mr. Lowe is the former business partner of Joe Exotic, star of the hit show. Exotic real name Joseph Maldonado Passage is currently serving a 22-year sentence for his involvement in contract killing plot and animal abuse. The Lowe's have showed a shocking disregard for both the health and welfare of their animals. Attorney General Jonathan D. Brightbill of the Justice Department's Environment and Natural Resources Division said both Jeff and Lauren Lowe appeared in Tiger King The court found that the pair's failure to provide safe conditions, proper nutrition, and timely vet care resulted in harm to a number of animals, including the death of two tiger cubs less than a week apart. The court rejected claims by the Lowe's that they were not exhibitors under the Animal Warefield Act as the zoo was still under construction. Joe Exotic has formally requested a pardon from U.S. President Donald Trump, who is expected to pardon dozens of people in his final hours in office. Jones, that was the second part of this. We've gotten to the point. Joe Exotic did not get pardoned, and a lot of people were saying that that pardon had a $2 million price tag on it um, that people like Lil Wayne and Kodak Black could afford and Michael Bannon could afford. Joe Exotic... Probably not two million. Did, did you see Joe Exotic's official statement? He said he was too innocent and too gay. <laughs> that sounds like my next studio album. Too innocent, yeah, too gay. Um, yeah, Joe Exotic, no pardon. I wonder if uh, the new president, if, uh, if President Biden, is going to give him a pardon now instead. Joe uh, Biden gives Joe Exotic. Joe squared. His, his first pardon is to uh, Joe Exotic. Um, I said this uh, a couple months back when it comes to Joe Exotic. Um, yes, the, the murder for hire thing was bogus. Um, but of the animal abuse and all that, he deserves to be there. Um, I don't think 22 years, though. For all that animal abuse, I, I would not pardon him. I think there's a lot more 
important people, that, uh, you know, more deserving for a pardon than a Joe Exotic. Um, I'd rather pardon Joe than Steve Bannon. Let's, let's stay away from politics. Here. Well, I mean, no, that's personal opinion. But I mean, Kodak Black got pardoned. So did Lil Wayne. I wasn't even aware that Lil Wayne had anything that crazy to be pardoned for. But uh, that being said, the funniest thing, the, the Tom Fuller here, is that Joe Exotic, too innocent, too gay Joe Exotic, had a damn limo pulled up ready to pull him out of jail. <laughs> That's the Tom Fuller here. I mean, he literally had a limo waiting the outside of the prison. The statements they said, we are confident this is going to happen. That Joe's getting that part and he's getting out today. You know, that's that's his spokespeople were saying that they were confident, had this limousine and everything. Uh, it was hysterical that that happened. But, um, you know, here, here's another idea, too. Um, if, if Joe Exotic gets this pardon, then... You know the the story doesn't kind of live on. It just dies from there. Now, I mean, it's at Joe's expense, but we get to, you know, whether it's you know for another four years or eight years, I don't know how long, we get to keep up this discussion. Will Joe Exotic get that pardon or not? Uh, this is not a story that's going away. I don't think. Well, here's the thing. I'm surprised that Netflix didn't. You know, if the two million for the pardon is true. Um, which who knows, but I'm just, I'm surprised that Netflix didn't party, you know, you know, figure out the money situation and figure it out. Because if that's the case, I wonder how much money they've made from Tiger King. I'm sure it's got to be a ridiculous amount because if Joe Exotic gets out and they get to shoot another season post prison, post uh, <laughs> show Joe Exotic, uh, that's just a sequel waiting to be making money. <laughs> right um just what the world needs more joe exotic i was debating if i should watch tiger king again if i should run sit through that series one more time and take it all in again i mean i thought it was great i still need to figure out what jelly's in so i can hit him back up because i sent him 15 dollars for the commissary because he said he was gonna call and try to get on the show he never did i should have known that as a con man right um but at the same time, you trusted a prisoner. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I was kind of, I was just kind of like, well, it's kind of like buying lotto tickets. Speaking uh, of, you know, lotto is like up to uh, over nine hundred million dollars, mega millions, right now. It is. I did buy five picks to, you know, on Wednesday for for that drawing. I have not checked them yet. Um, uh, by the time the show goes up, I'll probably have checked them. If uh, if I win the lottery, Tom, I'll buy you lunch. If I win the lottery, I'll buy you lunch and I'll pardon Joe Exotic first with two million of it, we'll go, and we'll go have we'll go have lunch with the Tigers. Uh, but uh, Carol Baskin, something's got to something's got to catch up with her, right? I mean, we hear you know, Joe Exotic's in prison. Uh, you know, Jeff Lowe's Jeff Lowe's got, fixing to go. Uh, the Doc Antle got taken away a while back too. I mean, yeah, he was a sex cult guy. <laughs> I mean, he, eventually he Carol's time it. will come. That's what we're all waiting for. That's 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 got to be the 2021 story. You want to heal America? If you want to heal America, Carol for Carol rest, Carol Baskin. That will heal America tomorrow. Um, 
you know, get get the DOJ, get on it um, on Carol Baskin. If they figured out she really did kill her husband, that would be the biggest story in America for the next month. Oh, yeah. It'd get like OJ coverage. Yes. Oh, on that note, let's, uh, let's get out of here. <laughs> Big thanks to uh, Darren Smith for joining us. Also, uh, Brian O'Connor for stopping by as well. Uh, Reiner's always to subscribe to Jones Sport, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Instant Thomas, and uh, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and uh, at TJ Media Group is uh, where you can find us on social. We would love to hear from you there, and we'll be back next week and uh, right here on the Jones Report. So have a a great rest of your day, everybody. Thanks for spending it with us here on the Jones Report. So long, everybody.